Welcome to the Grave Plot Podcast. Hey guys, welcome to the 2014 Halloween special of the Grave Plot Podcast, a member of the Pod Gods Network. Find us and other podcasts at podgodsnetwork.com. This is Taylor of Terror. I'm going to go ahead and apologize in advance for my voice. I was at the Seattle Sounders soccer match this morning and I was screaming my head off. So if I sound raspy or whatever, just roll with it. As you know, uh, Skeletoni is not here this week. He is off on his honeymoon. But filling in in his stead is uh, making his third appearance on the show, the host of the Video Game Break podcast, Carlos Rodella. Hey! Hey, Carlos, how are you? I'm fine. So I think since this is your third appearance, I think you officially need a a grave plot name. Oh, please! So I was thinking Carlos Muertos. Oh, Carlos of Death. There you go. Yeah. Or am I just a dead Carlos? That would technically be Card of the Death. Right. Which is weird. Yeah, it is weird. It sounds good, though. <laughs> yeah, I thought yeah. so. Well, thank you for thinking of a, a name <laughs> for me. Um, I'll brainstorm, too. I'd, I'd love to have a name. Um, yeah, it's fun to be here. It's wet out. It is. It's very rainy today in Seattle, as it usually is. Yeah, we're drink- and your dog's attacking me. And we're drinking uh, pumpkin beer, which is tasty. Yeah, well, I'm currently drinking pineapple coconut water trying to get my voice back, but then I'm going to have a beer afterwards. You sound uh, raspy, then. That's good for Halloween. Yeah, it's... My uh, my Walking Dead voice. By the way, previously on The Walking Dead. That's good, right? Uh, you're all caught up, right? I'm one behind. Okay. Wow, what an opening! Fucking, we can swear. I forget. Yeah, you can. Okay, swear your tits off. Oh, that'd be weird. <laughs> and I don't have tits. Um, Not anymore. You swore them off. <laughs> or did I? Um, so that oh fucking season two opener. Oh like my the, goodness. the opening scene was just so brutal. Oh. And you know what's funny? I tweeted immediately because I'm a reactionary type of person. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I don't want any more torture porn. Because you know me and my whole, like, sure, I, I have a problem with it. Um, or I have a problem with too much of it, I should say. And, the, and you know, not placed in the right place, to use the, pl- the word place twice. But after that, it got fucking great. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I maybe need to calm down. And that was a really fucking brutal scene. But at the same time, it didn't have a place within that whole story and it, it gives you the kind of like the good moments shine even brighter you know well it just I mean it gives you an idea of how ruthless these people are mm-hmm. too mm-hmm. I just didn't want to see it yeah no I feel <laughs> baseball you. bat to the oh it's just so non-human you know yeah I think that's what it is when you see a human act like not a human because that's like robotic right you know it, it, it's like if a bunch of robots literally were killing humans Terminator 2 style <laughs> They would just do that and not have any remorse. Yeah. So those human beings were pretty much robots. Yeah, you know? pretty much. Yeah. But anyways. Are you watching uh, American Horror Story? No. Um, oh. And I heard this one's pretty good, right? So far, yeah. Okay. This is the carnival one? Yeah, Freak yeah. Show. Yeah. I'll give it a chance. I'll, I'll, I'll download some episodes. It's, it's pretty good so far. I think they're three in. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. 
I didn't like the witch one, which we talked about. Right, yeah. yeah. It was, I don't know. It, I thought the witch one was better than Asylum. I thought Asylum was hot, wet garbage. But, um, yeah, so far this one seems to be doing pretty good. All right. Um, what's the other scary stuff that we talked about a long time ago when I was here? Has any of that stuff come to TV yet? Like, what was that zombie one with uh, not Robert, Robert Rodriguez, that show? Has that been on? Uh, from Dust Till Dawn? Yeah. Yeah, the first season's over. Oh, okay. The first season's on Netflix, actually. How was it? Did it's you... very good. You should oh, definitely watch okay. it. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. It, it sticks very closely to the movie. So I'm wondering where they're going to go now, because it's pretty much the whole season is the movie. Mm. So now they're going to have to come up with new stuff. New stuff. That's interesting. So it's the movie kind of retold. Pretty much, yeah. Huh. And the, the guy who plays Seth Gecko has got um, George Clooney's cadence down pat. Wow, that's weird. Yeah. I want to see that. Yeah, definitely check it out. It's on Netflix. Okay, yeah. I feel like there was a bunch of shows and I was on a couple uh, times ago and we were like, oh, these shows are coming out soon. Yeah. Like, what was the one? Um, oh, did that? It was a movie. Um, Phantasm. Oh, Phantasm Five. Uh, did that ever happen? Or was that... You know, I don't know. I... I know we we read about it, but I don't know if it because I don't think it was getting a theatrical release. Oh, it was like a trade to DVD thing. Yeah. Okay. So I'm not sure when and that's coming out if it has or what. I just remember us talking about me being very interested in what that would be or yeah. could be. So now I'm kind of intrigued. Anyways. Oh, anyways, so let's uh let's get on with the horror business. Let's do it. So as has started to become a tradition, we start out with some real-life horror news. Although it sounds like it could be straight out of a movie. Uh, Barrett Township in Pennsylvania has canceled Halloween. What? Yeah, there is a uh, suspected cop killer by the name of Eric Frain, who is apparently hiding in the woods in in Barrett Township. And so they, they canceled their parade and they canceled their Scarecrow 5K run. And the kids are not allowed to trick or treat because they're worried that either he's going to hurt somebody or it'll make it easier for him to escape. Wait, so what? He's an ex cop. What? What is he doing? No, he's a cop killer. Oh, a cop killer. I yeah, he's he, an ex cop. He, I'm like, what's he doing? He uh, ambushed a police officer and shot him in the head. Just cause. Uh, we don't. Nobody know. really we knows. Know yeah. Weird. That's terrible. Yeah. Um, they're saying that if if he's found, they may reinstate. All the Halloween festivities, but as of right now, they're just doing a, they're calling it a trunk or treat in a uh, church parking lot where they're giving kids candy out of the trunks of cars. So a secure area where you can just have right. some fun and not have to worry about it. But man, that's terrible. Um, I wonder if they can go to like a neighboring town and, and trick or treat. Be like, listen, we, we couldn't trick or treat at our place. Yeah. We came over to the other town. I'm gonna drive to Philly or something. Yeah. Let's just. I don't know how to respond to that. It just sucks. <laughs> yeah, um, I feel I feel bad for the people of Barrett Township because I mean I don't know how I would feel if Halloween was canceled. I'd be fucking devastated. I know to actually have it be officially canceled too. It's not like you've had it before. Where like, oh, you know, I'm broke and I can't do something for right. Halloween. But this one's like, no, don't you, anyone you can't. do anything. Yeah, just yeah, hunker down, stay in your house. Yeah, like I said, it sounds like this. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's a killer stalking the streets. And I know funny is the minute you switch it into the real world not so funny yeah exactly <laughs> there's something ah like we said earlier meta happening there <laughs> or is there i don't know we were joking about earlier before the podcast that what is meta everything's meta nowadays it's a good thing tony's out here because he fucking hates the word meta and well he would go off on a tangent about it i probably would agree with him 
All right. Well, you know, this kind of reminds me of the movie Halloween. Mm-hmm. Which leads into our next story. How convenient. I planned that. You planned what? The the segue. Oh right, I know, I know. <laughs> so speaking of Halloween, Halloween three apparently has a new script in the works. Okay, remind me again, Halloween three. It's a continuation of the Rob Zombie movies. Oh right, that Halloween. But it's not in having Rob Zombie involved. Okay. <laughs> the studio is taking it away from him and doing their own thing. Now, do we know why that is? I think he doesn't want to. Oh, okay. So they would have continued if he wanted to, you think? Probably. Yeah. Although Halloween 2 was doo-doo. I didn't know, again, me being the non-torture porn guy, I feel like at least, and this might be my ignorance, but the trailer for the this reboot with him seemed like it was more Texas Chainsaw Massacre than Halloween. I mean, Rob Zombie is a brutal guy, and every one of his movies is just brutal and intense. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it definitely is. Yeah. I mean, because for me, the whole intrigue about <clears throat> Halloween 1 and 2, mainly 1, was that kind of just like, I mean, it's campy when you go back, but just that kind of mystery about who is this person, the music and the you know suspense, but not about how he killed people, you know? Yeah. Because he did do that, but when the if you look at back, like the death scenes are pretty quick. Yeah. You know, like, jam, jing, 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 and it's done. I don't think there's any blood either. I don't think there is, actually, when I went back. I think one person's hanging from um, a pantry or something upside down, and I think you might see some blood on them then, but in general. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, that's why I like I like about that series. But, yeah, I know a lot of people badmouth the Rob Zombie, the, the first one from Rob Zombie, because it gave like this whole backstory to Michael Myers, and people were like, we don't need that. But I, I disagree. See, people said that, you know, it made it so much scarier because you didn't know why he was right. this crazy person. And so to... to give him a reason, just kind of took the mystique away. Yeah, yeah. But you know what's funny is that I was in that same camp, and that's why I like Halloween. But that at some point, I think it was in college, we got real excited about this Halloween series. And at past three, which wasn't a real Halloween movie, four and five and then six got real weird about, like, yeah. like backstory. Yeah. But we were, like, because I could, maybe it was the time period, but we were in college and drinking a lot and going, like, this is fun. Like, it was almost like a soap opera for us, you know? Yeah. Because it got so off the rails that we got kind of obsessed with, like, knowing all these little backstories about, you know, the cult and his his mom and all that stuff. So, I don't know. Maybe I'm okay with <laughs> learning weird shit about him. Well, as far as the new one. Yes. Uh, producer Malek Akkad announced at a Halloween screening in Orlando, It's been a joy to work with so many creative people. Ten films. We're working on 11 as we speak. We're working on a script right now. A new draft, perfect timing, is supposed to hit the day before Halloween. Hopefully my Halloween night reading will be a good read. Ten films? Yeah. Wow. All right. Because you figure there was the original six, right? Mm-hmm. And then H2O, and then Resurrection, and then the two Rob Zombie ones. Oh, those other H2O. Well, uh, LL Cool J was in one of those. He was in H2O, and then Buster Rhymes was in Resurrection. Was he? Yep. I did not see Resurrection. Trick or treat, motherfucker. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's a straight line from the movie, I'm guessing. It is. Oh. L. Cool J probably got killed, like, immediately, right? I I know he played a security guard. Oh. 
Which I means just, I'm sure he did, you know. I just feel like he's played a security guard before or something. Maybe I'm wrong. And he's got killed before, like, early. <laughs> so, I don't know. Well, I mean, black guy plus security guard, that's that's a recipe for the first one dead. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> well, uh, I'm, I mean, I'll take more Halloween. I'd like to see how what this other person's take is on it. If they make it less torture porny, I'm 100% in. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm not sure who's going to direct it yet, but yeah, we'll see. We'll stay tuned. I'm your ice cream man, stop me when I'm passing by. Oh my, my, I'm your ice cream man, stop me when I'm passing by. See, now all my flavors are guaranteed to satisfy. Hold on a second. So another sequel in the works is uh, they're, they're trying to make a sequel to Ice Cream Man. Hmm. Are you familiar with this one? I don't think I am. It's got Clint Howard in it. I'm, I'm on board. <laughs> <laughs> and he plays a sadistic ice cream man i don't think i've seen it but it sounds awesome. it's very low budget yeah um yeah they're try- they're looking to make a sequel titled sunday bloody sunday oh geez <laughs> as in ice cream sunday yes um they are looking to crowdsource it they have a, a kickstarter out there which i will throw in this in the show notes uh the description from the site is it's been 20 years since Ice Cream Man, an iconic spectacle of gore, blood, and mayhem, exploded onto the big screen. Audiences couldn't get enough of Howard's mental patient-turned-sweet-treat-scooper Gregory, who laced his frozen creations with bugs and choice bits of corpses and served them to the unsuspecting. Oh, sorry. Served them up to unsuspecting, converse-wearing kids out for summer fun. In fact, the original Ice Cream Man has become a classic in the B-movie canon, cheerfully terrorizing two decades of viewers with low-budget action, cheesy dialogue, and some of the most creative uses of severed heads ever seen on screen. As the original Ice Cream Man's popularity has skyrocketed among horror film and B-movie aficionados, star Howard and producer Norman Epstein have considered a sequel that takes the story beyond the kids' movie genre and ratchets the horror quotient up notch by blood-soaked notch. Ice Cream Man 2, Sunday Bloody, Sun- Sunday Bloody Sunday, won't be a movie for children. It's a tale of revenge, chock full of murderous intent, laced with dripping entrails, and served up ice cold. The Rocketeers, Johnny, Heather, Tuna, and Small Paul, are all grown up now, and Gregory wants them to suffer. Really suffer. Torture and violence are on the menu, and it's going to be sweet. Wait, okay, hold on. <laughs> Did they say this one's not going to be a kid's movie? The first one was not a kid's movie. Is that? Oh, did I hear that right? Um... They said this one's different, and it's not for children. Well, yeah, I like how they talk about how the first one is, like, blood-soaked and severed heads, but it's for kids. It's for kids. <laughs> it's a kid's version. Well, then I don't want to see the next version. Jeez. But it, I think it's funny how this guy's a killer or whatever he is, and he's just serving up ice cream, and he's like, gotcha. You just ate human. <laughs> that's your mom. I know. <laughs> that's the weirdest kind of, like, yeah, that's weird. Hey, just so you know, those are entrails, not chocolate ice cream. <laughs> Or that it's both. <laughs> I don't know. Wait, is Clint Howard going to be in it? Yes. Oh, well then, yeah, it's still on board. Um, yeah, we'll see. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's tough when you take a movie that lots of times wasn't trying to be bad. Yeah. Right? I'm sure that's come out on the podcast before. And then it's just brilliant. Yeah. Because it's like, wow. It just gets a cult following. Yeah. And you're like, how do you reproduce that? And it sounds like they're like, well, we're just going to take it harder. You know? Well, it's going to be dark and gritty. Maybe that's not what Clint Howard... Well, Clint Howard is not dark or gritty. That works so well with my voice right now. <laughs> Do it again. Dark and gritty. It, you're Batman. <laughs> mm. I think... I don't know if that... I don't know if that style of work, movie works with Clint Howard. It's in my opinion. Because anything he's ever been in, you're like, oh... <laughs> it's that guy. It's that guy. And that makes sense. <laughs> he's weird. Yeah. But I mean, the movie around surrounding where he's in, 
you're like, this is a Clint Howard movie, right? How do you have, like, let's say a dark, dark, like a Rob Zombie type kind of scary, fucked up torture porn movie, and then Clint With Howard? Clint Howard, yeah. He'll be like, wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like he'll just, he'll just change the whole vibe of it. No, yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting. So last episode, we started a new segment called They're Remaking That, Really? Mm, okay. And we're continuing that this episode with Cabin Fever. What? Yep. What? They, they have been trying to make a sequel, and they finally decided they're just going to reboot it. Re- what? Yeah. All right. That movie's what, 10 years old? Yeah. <laughs> but wait, di- didn't they already remake it once? No, they made sequels, but... Oh, okay. I thought they did a reboot. That's why I was even more what about it. (laughs) But still. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. If they just rebooted a reboot. Yeah. Just, well, we fucked that one up. Let's start over. (laughs) Let's start again. (laughs) And it was like last year. Yeah. Uh, This one is going to be directed by Travis Zarini. And it's going to be produced by Eli Roth. Mm, Interesting. So he is still lending his name to it. Uh, Roth said... Travis had an amazing vision for my original script, and as a scary movie fan, I really wanted to see it. I almost see this like restaging a play, and I'm excited to see what ideas Travis and the cast bring to it. They're all fans of the original and want to make a film that's a new classic, and I believe they will. What was your thoughts again on the Evil Dead remake? I liked it, except for the end. Okay, because I didn't even watch it, which I probably should, just for the sake of... Yeah, other than like the last ten minutes, it's awesome. Hmm. But I mean, And some people will tell you that the last ten minutes are the best part. Right, right. But to me, it was just so detached from the rest of the feel of the it's movie. Like it can't be or weird, like funny. It like gets Evil weird. Dead. Yeah, yeah. Because an Evil Dead is weird, you know, and and funny. Yeah, this one is not funny. I know. That's what I saw. I'm just wondering what they obviously they're going to take it in the in a, a continued dark sense, a dark and gritty, dark and gritty. <laughs> and it's raining out right now. It's like it yeah, works. It's a dark and stormy night. Dark and stormy night. Yeah. yeah, I don't know how I feel about this. I don't feel that this movie warrants a reboot at all. No, I don't either. Especially not this early. No, I don't either. I, and also, guess what? Come up with a new idea. Hey, how about hey, that? Hey, there's a thing. <laughs> how, how do you do that, though? Um, like, you, where do ideas come from? See, what you do how is... How do you make a movie that hasn't already been made? It doesn't make any sense. A, drink a bunch. <laughs> and then, then just hang out, and then an idea will come to you. Yeah. There you go. Or whatever your drug of choice is, or drink or food of choice, or whatever. Just do something that you Just get a bunch of people in a room and just, like, order a couple pizzas and just don't walk out until you have a new idea. Yeah. I mean, you know what's funny about that is that um, this is an interesting idea. So there's a lot of things that I'm involved with and my friends are involved with. uh, Like, there's just things called game jams. You've heard of them, right? Game what? Game jams. No. So a bunch of video game developers get together and for 24 or 48 hours, they just go into a room somewhere or go into a you know place and they have to make a game. And then, you know, the third day or the second or third day, they've got to present it. And they just have to. You know, you're forcing yourself to do something like that. Well, anyways, I was just part of one with comedy. So we did it. It was like SNL. We all got together in a room. We had ideas. We went home and wrote scripts. We came back. We re-edited. And the third day, we performed it. Like, you know, memorized all the lines. 
But that forced us to do like a really weird sketch and come up with stuff that we would never have thought of because we were kind of, you know, cornered to do it. Yeah. I think it'd be fun to do something like that with um, writing movies. Sure. I'm, I'm sure it maybe even happens. You know, maybe I'm not saying anything new here, but. Probably not with big budget studios. But Right. No, no, no. But, <clears throat> but I mean, it'd be fun to have like even, you know, bigger, even small or mid-sized studios be like, we're doing a jam to make, to make a new horror movie. Yeah. You know I mean, I mean? like, it's, it's not that hard. Like, you can stick with the same kind of tropes and still make something new. Right, right, right. You don't have to just rehash everything. Yeah. Yeah, last episode we talked about how they're remaking um, I Know What You Did Last Summer. Oh, no, good golly. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, so, well, uh, anyways, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't care for that. Uh, so, I agree with your really. Yeah. <laughs> Question mark. All right, moving into the realm of television, uh, American Horror Story, which we talked about earlier, has already been renewed for season five. Mm. Uh, Freak Show premiered to a FX record 13.36 million people. That's a lot. That is a lot of people. Especially nowadays. Yeah. Where everyone, you know, is on Hulu and whatever else. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, to get that many people, that many eyeballs on a TV show, that's impressive. That is really impressive. And I guess that does warrant another season. Yeah. Uh, season five will, of course, debut October 2015. It will be 13 episodes, and this was originally announced by John Landgraf, who is the CEO of FX Networks. So it'll be interesting to see where they go from here. Like, yeah. I mean, obviously it's going to be something new because it's something new every season. But I wonder, wonder what's next. Yeah, and none of the stuff. Correct me if I'm wrong. None of the stuff really carries over, uh, or does it? Like, you know, I know there's like similar characters and similar actors or same actors and stuff like that, but like. We're not going to any like place, right? This isn't like there's no culmination, right? Not They're that all I know separate of. stories. I'm wondering that might be a fun, interesting thing to do because I know that certain actors do, you know, carry on into different seasons. Yeah, there's actually there's a character in season four, a character, not just an actor, but a character who is from season two. Hmm. So wouldn't it be interesting if the new season was a, a coming together of stuff? That would be interesting. If you just find out that all these different worlds are actually the same. Yeah, or parallel realities or whatever, you know, like. See, and this is the kind of stuff we're talking about. Listen to us, people. <laughs> just, yeah, we, we just, just came up with something. We just came just up like with that. We just had one, not even a half a pumpkin <laughs> beer, okay? Ten, I haven't even had one yet. This. I just started. See, and now he just had one sip. He's going to have another great idea. Seriously, people, that's a cool idea. Yeah. Not to tote our own idea, but I'm going to. Because well, if Ryan Murphy is listening, which I'm sure he probably is, I'm sure he is. Well, let's tweet at him. Maybe he will. Maybe I don't I don't have a Twitter, but I'll find him. It's on the internet. <laughs> Everything's on the internet. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's that's gonna happen. Season five. Okay, it's it's a go. If it's our idea, it's even better. Yep. So, staying in the realm of TV and bringing Eli Roth back into the conversation, 
uh, Eli Roth is going to be producing a new TV show called South of Hell. This is going to be on WeTV. Don't know what that means. It's apparently like a network for women. Hmm. Like like Lifetime used to be. Hmm. I think it's WeTV. It could be Wet V. Hmm, that sounds worse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that sounds real bad. A network for women called Wet V. That's the worst thing. <laughs> How did they not think that through? How did they not think that through? That, that You can't be on more on the money than that. <laughs> Oh, I apologize to all of our female listeners right now. I didn't. It just, on behalf of Wet V, we on apologize. On behalf of their stupidity. <laughs> Man, that's silly. Anyways. But yeah, South of Hell is about a young demon hunter in Savannah, Georgia, who struggles with her own internal possession. It's going to star Mina Savari. Ah, we haven't seen her for a long time. Yeah, remember when we saw it when we watched Day of the Dead with her in it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, oh, that wow. movie was awful. That was awful. <laughs> Uh, she will be playing a stunning 30-year-old demon hunter for hire. Alongside her brother David, she is skilled and fearless in her pursuit of the demons that live in others. Like those that she hunts, Maria is divided within herself, struggling with her own demon, Abigail, who resides inside of her, feeding on the evil Maria exercises from others. Maria and Abigail share a soul and a destiny, but as Maria desperately tries to overtake Abigail, she will discover how far Abigail will go to remain a part of her. That sounds like a comic book. It does. Yeah. I wonder if maybe this is based on something. I don't know. Because, I mean, like a demon inside you, it automatically sounds like some Japanese anime, you know, yeah. or Japanese video game or a comic. Um, and interesting. So it's a woman, female character, so, or like a main character. So yeah. maybe that's why they're the, the wet V. Yeah. <laughs> the wet V gets it. Uh, well, it's written by Matt Lambert, who has never written anything before. Okay. At least nothing of, you know, merit. Um, as well as James Monos Jr., who was a writer on The Shield. Mm, which is a great show. And he will serve as the showrunner. Well, that's a good person to have for that. Yeah. And then, uh, it's it's like I said, it's produced by Eli Roth, as well as Jason Blum, who runs Blumhouse Pictures, which is the studio that releases the Paranormal Activity movies. Oh, okay. All right. So, yeah, that's a, some good people that's there. That's a clout behind it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I'll watch it, considering it's on Wii TV. You mean Wet Wet V. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I'll I'll download an episode on the internet because you can do that and look at it that way. That's pirating, Carlos. No, That's... no, it's, it's called sharing. <laughs> I thought we I think we covered this last episode. <laughs> last time I was on, but yeah, no, I'll check it out. I mean, why not? I mean, yeah, I'll probably check out the pilot and see if it can uh, hold my interest long enough to keep me going to another one. I mean, Demon Hunter it has my interest from that. You know, like I like the idea of like. Uh, Demons being around on the earth with us. It's kind of present day, it sounds like, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah, so like, oh yeah, I have a demon inside me, and also I fight demons. And it's present day. That's, I'm kind of interested already. It's kind of like Constantine a little bit. Yeah, right, yeah. And uh, Eli Roth is actually going to direct the pilot as well. Okay. Although it gets tricky, because I remember like Lynch would always direct episodes to Twin Peaks, and they would be amazing. And then like Joe Schmo would. <laughs> no offense to all the Joe Schmoes. There's like four or five other directors probably, I think, or whatever. And uh, it'd be like, oh, it's pretty good. Yeah. But like then I was in like, no, David Lynch is coming back to direct this one. Well, that's like from Dust Till Dawn had like Robert Rodriguez directed a couple episodes and then Greg Nicotero directed a couple episodes. Oh, yeah. And then like, you know. Guy like A. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no offense to all the guy A's because they're, they're doing it. But yeah. yeah, I mean, good for you. But Greg Nicotero is awesome. He is. She's Louise. He's, he's, yeah, he's awesome. All right, well. So this is going to be eight episodes debuting sometime in 2015. No official date yet. But we will let you know when we hear more. Okay. 
So, American Horror Story alum Alex, Ale- Alexandra Breckenridge is going to be joining The Walking Dead. Ooh. Worlds colliding. Yeah. Uh, you may know Breckenridge as Young Moira from Season 1 or Kaylee in Season 3. I did see Season 1. I think I remember now from Season 1. Yeah. Moira was the, the maid. Yes. Yeah, she was the young version. Yeah, and not then, the old version. Right, the old version was Barney Stinson's mother. Oh. From How I Met Your Mother. Fun fact. <laughs> uh, no, I do remember her. Well, all right. Yeah, she's, uh, she's going to be playing a reoccurring role, which is being kept under wraps, but it could become a regular role in season six. Hmm. The casting breakdown has her as Samantha, an attractive, strong, smart, charming, and articulate woman with a vulnerable side. She's a mother and a bohemian spirit and a talented artist. So I'm wondering, is that from the comics or not? No. It isn't. There is no Samantha okay. in the comics. Okay. Although AMC has said that the name and breakdown are both just placeholders, and the character could actually be nothing like that. Mm. Wait. Okay. Yeah, what's, what's the point of that? You know, here's some idea of something that could happen, but it, it might probably happen. won't. Yeah. Yeah, because right now I think if, if you're not caught up, I'm not going to spoil anything, but right now uh, the gang... That we know in The Walking Dead. Rick and his crew. Rick and his crew are uh, kind of on the move again. And so I feel like, you know, on The Talking Dead, which is a show that Chris Hardwick does, they talked to Nicotero and some guys and they were like, um, yeah, they're going to encounter some new people real soon. So I'm sure it's part of that. Yeah, I know they're supposed to meet Father Gabriel. Oh, they they might have met him. <laughs> All right. No spoilers. But... No spoilers, but he might be on the season. I already know he's on the season. We talked about that on the yeah, show. Yeah, so he might, he might have already been around. He is from the comics. Yes. Now, I'm not that far into the comics. Neither am I. But I know that he's in it because people told me. But yeah, I think I'm at the point in the comics where they got to the prison. Oh, right. I'm past the prison. Man, that prison in the comics is real messed up. Yeah, it is. It's even more messed up than it is in the TV series. It really is. Which is hard to do. <laughs> but I remember like, oh, we won't talk about it. But there's some messed up stuff that happens in that comic mm-hmm. in the prison. I mean, some weird, like, stuff that would not probably fly on television when it comes to, like, females and sexuality and, like, just I feel like stuff. they, like, kind of tried to do it in a different way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, the way it's done in the comic is, is different. Like, they, got, they, were, they wanted to go there and get that, like, dark with it, but they did it separately, like, in a parallel universe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're right. I mean, because they, they do some really messed up stuff in the show, too, but... There's some just weird stuff in the comic that wouldn't work, I don't think. And by the way, now that we're talking about Walking Dead, you can see that we should have a Walking Dead, like, just episode. Have you done that yet? No. Because it's easy to talk about we it did for, a zombie like, episode. a long time. Well, just a Walking Dead alone we could, like, get into. If you ever want to do it, I'm bored. I'm on board. All right. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> you didn't sound interested in that. <laughs> That's a whole thing. <laughs> it's work, I know. It's, it's, it's a problem. So, wait, well, are we finished with that? What was it? Alexander Breckenridge is joining right. the it. cast this season, this season. Uh, as a recurring role, possibly becoming a regular role in season six. It probably won't be Samantha, her name. It might be. But it might not. Staying on the topic of zombies, they are making. Well, I say they like they're just some generic. Group. It's ho- Hollywood. 
or television land. Who is it? Which one? It's well, it's actually uh, George Cameron Romero, George Romero's son, is working on a prequel to Night of the Living Dead. Very interested. It's apparently going to be called Origins, which is strange. I would think they would go with Origins of the Dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just, you know, stick within the, the same naming scheme. Mm-hmm. Uh, George Romero will produce. Origin takes place in the turmoil of the 1960s, just shortly before Night of the Living Dead, and explains how the original Romero zombie was created. In 1962, Dr. Ryan Cartwright was on the scientific and altruistic path to find a way for humans to sustain life in the event of MAD, Mutual Assured Destruction, a huge topic brought on by the Cuban Missile Crisis. Little did he know that over the course of the next several years of his life, he would take a well-funded and military-focused journey to the darkest corners of the world, as he creates the ultimate weapon for the government and a curse that will plague mankind for the rest of days. Man, you know what? I, I was on board, and then I went off board. And then I went back on board as you're reading. I'm confused. I want to be. It seems exciting, but then that story got a little convoluted, didn't it? A little bit, yeah. Um, this kind of goes back to what we were talking about with Halloween. That I don't feel this, like this needs to happen. Yeah, yeah. I don't feel like we need an explanation. I feel like the zombie virus is scarier when you don't know how it started. Yeah. Because how are you going to come up with a cure when you don't know how it started? Right. And what's funny is that though. Again, not to go back to The Walking Dead, but they. They they talk about it a little bit, you know, and then they say, here's some ideas on how we think it worked and how it, we think it's going to work in the future and how we think we might beat it. But they still don't know. Right? Yeah. It's still a big question. Yeah. Um, yeah. My girlfriend's in the background waving her arms wildly because she loves a good backstory. That's that's her big beef with horror is that she she doesn't like that you can't understand why things are happening, that you don't know why things are happening. So she would, would probably love this. I think I might be into it. I just, I, I, when you were reading the story, it just seemed a little weird with the government. What was it? Weapons? Yeah, it almost sounds like he's supposed to be, make like a biological weapon or something. See, I don't like that part of it. It's almost like I'd rather have it be like he stumbled upon something and then, I don't know. Well, I mean, George Romero's there to like be like, all right, buddy, you better not mess <laughs> this up, little kid, of, son of mine. Yeah, but have you seen the movies that George has put out yeah, recently? Some pretty bad stuff. Yeah, he's like, "That's great, just go for it." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't um, know. I don't know. This is also being crowdsourced. Whoa! Yeah. This, wait, did Dad doesn't have enough money? Uh, apparently not. Oh wait, like, or he wants him to earn his keep. I guess nice. I don't know. Listen, I could pay for that, but uh, you got to do it on your own. He's like, "How about I'll ask the internet?" <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why he's like a small kid now. <laughs> I directed my first movie, Dad. I'm seven. I'm seven. <laughs> it might be a good movie. I I take an overactive kid's imagination over some. Well, I mean, there was the movie. Uh, what was it called? Not shit. There was a, there was a zombie movie that was written by a, a, a girl who was like twelve or something. Really? Yeah. And then they made a documentary about her, and the documentary was called Zombie Girl, but I don't remember the name of her actual movie. I'll have to Google that when I get back. That seems cool. Yeah. And then there's a, a movie coming out, I think, this year called Carver, which the girl is like 14 or something that wrote that. So I like that. I mean, the imagination has no bounds there. You know, you're like That's true. Just going for it. Like, what if a, you know, furry monster with tentacles and also another dimension and Santa or whatever? I don't know. Whatever that is. There's another idea. There's another just... idea. We just gave you <laughs> Internet Hollywood. Nope. Um, the alien Santa monster from another dimension. <laughs> Which is kind of like where the way all things are. I feel like that's a little <laughs> of that in there, too. 
Um, yeah, so this could be terribly bad, but whatever. We'll see, I guess. Yeah, um, I, I really don't know how I feel about this one. I, I, I want to be excited about it, but I, I just feel like it's unnecessary. I know. When you first said it, I was like, oh, interesting. Uh, a prequel to the <clears throat> the beginning of all these zombie movies. I mean, like Night of the Living Dead, right? Yeah. But then Dad's been making some bad choices. Mm-hmm. And if he's doing that with his son... Well, what's interesting about the George Romero movies is that they've come to a point where the zombies have kind of evolved, and they can, like, think and communicate and mm-hmm. drive cars or whatever. So is this going to, like, go back to when they were just mindless ghouls? Yeah, it's got to. It's got to. I would think. Just grunting a lot and, yeah. Because if, you know, you have them thinking and evolving, and this is before the original, then it's not going to make any sense. No, that'd be weird. They're running around all fast. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what happened? Uh, yeah. And I wonder if it's going to be black and white. I would like it much more if it was. Me too. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be before the original, which was black the, and yeah, white. So yeah, yeah. I feel like you have to. That's a third idea, Internet. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. Make it black and white. It'll be better. So uh, if you want to throw some money at the Romeros, you can go to helptelltheorigin.com. I just feel weird about giving... I mean, he he still has some money. Come on. I would think he's George Romero, for God's sake. He's George Romero. I don't know if he... Like, if he doesn't have money, he can sign a sock and put it on eBay. (laughs) Here's my sock, my bloody sock. (laughs) Yeah, This is the sock I wore when I filmed Diary of the Dead. And by the way, do you know how much they're asking for? You probably don't. No, I don't. I'm not... Because some of those, so I, so I love crowdfunding, I love Kickstarter, I love Indiegogo, I have friends, and I've done a campaign. So this is definitely nothing against the crowdsourcing, because I love it. But sometimes you'll see something where, like, we only need, like, $600,000. And I'm like, well, some of our favorite directors made movies for real cheap. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they didn't, like, say they needed crazy money. So it'd be interesting to see how much he asked for, but, um, yeah, we'll see. I don't know. I went all over the place on that. My thoughts on that on that movie. I wanted to like it. I don't know. Are you looking up? The they are looking for one hundred fifty thousand. I think that's that's reasonable. They are currently at twenty seven thousand one hundred fifty two. With how many days? Twenty one. It's okay. Well, they're in the hump right now, but yeah. All right. So yeah, uh, help tell the origin dot com. Final story, which uh, also is about zombies, and this one should be good for you because yeah. it relates to video games. Yes, uh, they're a making movie based on Dead Rising. Okay, called Dead Rising Watchtower. I don't like the name. Me neither. Um, Colon Watchtower. I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah. We talked about some casting news last episode, and we've got some more casting news now, including the lead. Uh, Frank West, who was the the main character in the game, mm-hmm. will be played by Rob Riggle. I know that name, but I don't remember. Did you see Twenty One Jump Street? Uh, Twenty One Jump Street, the new version, the movie, yeah, yeah, with uh, Jonah Hill, yeah, yes, but I can't, still can't remember. He was the gym teacher, the one that got his oh, dick the shot. Funny off. guy, yeah. Oh, I don't like that at all. Right? It's weird. 
I wouldn't like that at all. I feel like they just completely changed the tone of the movie. Yeah, by just by that choice. Yeah. Is that set in stone? Uh, yeah. Oh. He is. He is signed on. Well, then your earlier statement is untrue. I'm not excited by this. <laughs> <laughs> because if you, yeah, if you play the games, there's campiness to it. Now, I get Definitely. that. But the main character looks like, usually looks like a pretty badass. You know, I think more like Rick, you know, or something. Yeah, he's, he's much more gruff. He's a I gruff like guy, him. you know. He sounds like you sounded earlier. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it, and he, it, what's weird is that he's a fish out of water in this kind of overly zany, comical kind of world at times. You know, in Dead Rising, but the main character isn't that way. You know what I mean? I feel like he's just kind of going along with this zaniness. And by the way, Dead Rising 3, the new one for Xbox, more serious. You know? Is it? Oh, yeah, more serious. There's still weird, you can get weird costumes and things happen like that, but I mean, it's definitely a darker tone. Um, I just don't. You have more info, probably. Or do you? On, On that movie? Right, watch out, yeah. Um, I was I was trying to find a uh, synopsis here for you. Oh, okay. Um, I mean, if, if they want to go that direction, they should make him like put on a weird like funny hat and get into a Santa outfit and like yeah. just go all the way to, like the video game does. But I mean, you obviously you can't just make the movie like the video game because that's Dawn of the Dead, right? In the mall, yeah, <laughs> right. yeah, yeah. But again, like I said, Dead Rising Three, it's out and about in a kind of an open world. There's tons of zombies. There's lots of weapons. I just feel like they've moved past that kind of... Yeah, I don't know. Oh, here you go. The official synopsis for Dead Rising Watchtower focuses on a massive zombie infestation. The government tried to save the rest of the population through forced vaccinations to arrest the spread of the virus, but it failed. Frank West and three other survivors must avoid getting infected themselves. The four will also uncover the truth behind the spread of the virus and will be shocked to learn that the government seems to be behind the zombie virus all along. They just said a spoiler. They just said it. Yeah. Nope. I wish I had read that before I said it. But <laughs> that's so funny. And the answer, and they'll find this mystery of the answer. And the answer is this. <laughs> so no need to see this now because nope. we know how it ends. Yeah, it's the government, <laughs> like all things. Um, I don't care for this. Even though being a video game person, I don't know if I care for this at all. Like I, as a zombie aficionado, am interested somewhat. I don't know if they're going to be running zombies or. Um, but it's going to be on Crackle, which is free. Well, so then it doesn't matter. Fuck it. Yeah. Well, I'll watch it. <laughs> yeah. Um, also joining Rob Riggle is Alex Ponovich from This Means War. Mm-mm. I'm not familiar with him. Uh, who will be playing the role of Logan, a bike gang leader. Mm. Good name for a bike gang leader. And um, one of his uh, other gang members, his right-hand man, will be... An, a character by the name of Pyro, who will be played by Harley Morenstein from Epic Mealtime. What? <laughs> oh, that's interesting. He's in Tusk too. Is he? I was, yeah. I think I have that downloaded. I haven't watched it yet. Yeah, we're uh, we're going to be reviewing that later. Okay. So. Oh, yeah, wait, when's later? Uh, January. I'll do it with you then. All right. I'm excited to see that movie. I have it in <clears> my uh, queue. Yeah. All right. All right. Um. Yeah, apparently he's like making a foray into acting, I guess. Do it. Yeah. There's a lot of fun like in between YouTubers who are doing stuff like that, you know. Um and the ones that make it seem to make sense, you know. But then again, he like he's such a goofy guy on Epic Mealtime that well, I'm, I'm wondering if this is again a goofy movie. Moving the movie into more of a campy. Yeah. They're kind of taking like what again, if you played the first one, what was weird and ga- and campy and goofy about that 
game, they're kind of like just saying like, okay, we're just gonna latch onto that part of it, right? You know, but still zombies. Come on, yeah, can't be too campy. And then finally, Keegan Connor Tracy will play the role of a prim journalist named Jordan. She, uh, you might recognize her from Bates Motel. Which one's in Bates? Which one? She was the teacher. Oh yeah. Oh, she's spoiler. Al- she also plays. Um, doesn't work out like well as I said her. was no because I said well then I just <laughs> finished your story by saying doesn't work out well for her spoiler she also plays the blue fairy on Once Upon a Time don't know that show yeah. I mean I know of it but yeah but no she's she's a good actress that, that, that's yeah. cool yeah and I'm wondering because it says she's a, a journalist and Frank is of course a photojournalist so I'm wondering if maybe they work together mm-hmm. you know what the, you said one word that told me crackle <laughs> free yeah I mean why not so, yeah. By the way, Bates Motel is great. It is. I haven't seen season two yet. Oh, I did. S- season one is really good. I finally got caught up, I think, two, three months ago. It just, it's, it's not outstanding. Let me, let me stress that for anyone who wants to go check it out. Don't go like it's Walking Dead or it's something that's epic and powerful. It's, well, it is powerful at times, but it's like really It's more character good. driven. Yeah. And it, and it feels more TV showy. Do you know what I mean by that? Like... Oh, and that person's going to find out that that person did that thing, you know? Yeah. So, like, Walking Dead feels like a movie at times. And it's interesting because, like, you know where these characters are going. Oh, yeah. You already know the end game. It's just getting to that. And so when I finished season two, I went and uh, watched, rewatched Psycho. Did we talk about this? Yeah, yeah. And it was so cool because I was like, I know this movie, but now I feel like I know it differently. Uh, So I highly recommend anyone who's watching Boots Mattel... It doesn't matter what season you're in or what episode you're on. Go back and watch Psycho, and uh, it's really entertaining. Although, spoiler. Can I do a Psycho spoiler? <laughs> yeah, we, we actually we, we decided that 10 years is the moratorium. So any, right. any movie older than 10 years, you can spoil. So the main – what it's so amazing about this. And I'm going to go do a diatribe for one second. What's so amazing about that movie when I rewatched it is um, they make this character the main character, the lady, right? Well, am I gonna the mom? The, no, the lady in Psycho in the original movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they make her the main character, and everything about the movie is about her, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not even a halfway into the movie, maybe just about halfway into the movie, and she gets killed. Like, how many other modern horror movies do that? Like, I feel like they don't take that chance to be like every single scene is her, all the music and the fact that she's worrying about things. If you remember that she's like stolen some money. Yeah. So she's worried about what she did. There's all this music. There's this, you know, she's seen these hitchhiker. It's really scary for her. And then she's just out of the fucking picture. <laughs> They're like, you're yeah, over. Like, anytime you see that now, it's more of like an ensemble cast. Right, right. Where like, you know, someone who you'll think is the main character gets killed and then someone else steps, steps into that in. role. Yeah. But th- there was no other one to step in. Yeah. It was like, no, this creepy motherfucker who kills her. Yeah. The movie's that, about him now. That's <laughs> about, it's about him now. That, literally that switcheroo I have not seen. And I don't. Have we seen something like that in a modern film? And if not, here's your answer. That's your fucking uh, idea number four. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to sell this podcast to Hollywood. You should? <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, talk about rebooting things. Well, reboot the idea of doing that thing. That's it. That's all. That's my diet shop is over. <laughs> but uh, I'm not going to. I'll see this because it's free. Yeah. This. I keep seeing these articles that say release date, and then I read them, and there's no release date in the article. Yeah. You know what they do that for SEO? Yeah. They're trying. To it's clickbait. It. Yeah. But yeah, um, Dennis Haysbert is also going to be in this. 
Remind me. Played Pedro Serrano in Major League. Oh. <laughs> the All-State guy. That's going to be a funny movie. That's going to be a funny show. It's going to be on purposely funny. I guess. I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. So that's going to wrap up horror business. Woo! Um, we're going to go ahead and take a break and play you an ad from one of our fellow pod gods. DixonSiderShow.com podcast gives you two orgasms in a row. I'm listening from now on. Wow, I'm going to have to listen to that podcast. Hey, it's your flashlight. Buzz Lightyear figure. To to Asfinity and beyond. (laughs) Hey, it's your flashlight. Action figure. Action. Action figure. It's an action figure. That's Andy's toy. Is that that Andy's ass? (laughs) Would that be Bung Lightyear? (laughs) (laughs) Andy, get bored at college. At college. At college. DixonSiderShow.com. I thought you just wonder where Woody's at. (laughs) (laughs) Boyfriend's ass. You know, if I was going to put anything up there, it would be those squeaky aliens. (laughs) (laughs) Every time you look. Wow. (laughs) 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 It's the claw. (laughs) That's when they're fisting you Fisting you. I was at it. (laughs) It keeps slipping on my grass. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this is perfect. I love this pumpkin beer, by the way. It's, it was like gone in two seconds. My favorite is the pumpkin porter from Red Hook. I think we had that too. In our, on our podcast, we might have had every pumpkin <laughs> beer so far. Um, I, you got to go to the pumpkin beer fest with us next year. I didn't know that was it was. A yeah, thing. this was the second year we went. Oh, make sure because really, I really do like pumpkin beer a lot. I'll make sure we let you know next year. Yeah. All right, so now we are going to go ahead and jump into our reviews, uh, this episode being our Halloween special. Instead of doing two movie reviews, we are going to talk about some haunted houses. So let's go ahead and jump into that. Before we get into the local Seattle haunts, Tony actually attended some haunted houses over on the East Coast, mm. and he sent in a review of those. Oh. So let's go ahead and listen to that. East Coast, fuck you! East Coast, fuck you! East Coast, fuck you!
Hey kids, Skeletoni here. I'm uh, broadcasting remotely from our rental place in Salem, Massachusetts. Uh, as I'm sure Taylor informed you, and as I mentioned many times before, I'm on my honeymoon right now. But um, luckily, I had some time to make some stops to a couple haunts over here on the east side. Um, to start off with, uh, I went to a place in Sleepy Hollow, New York. Uh, it was kind of a, a destination that my wife and I both wanted to stop in and um, check out the haunt that was there in town, and a pretty popular one at that. Uh, it's called Horseman's Hollow. Now, obviously, the name is a, a play on the Headless Horseman legend of, you know, the legend of Sleepy Hollow. Um, doesn't really have anything to do with the Headless Horseman, uh, per se, other than, you know, it's located in Sleepy Hollow. Um, but it's uh, a very, very good haunt, and you can tell that they've probably been doing it a while, um, and it's very well put together and very polished. Um, so when we got there, there was obviously a, a huge line. It seems to be <laughs> one of the more popular events in uh, in the town. Uh, it's not a very big town. I mean, it's Sleepy Hollow is basically a village located in Terrytown. Um, and so we waited in this line that wrapped around, you know, zigzagged back and forth through several rows and seemed like we were waiting in line for about an hour. And it was interesting because we had bought tickets in advance uh, and we had a specific time that we were allowed to go through. Um, so we were waiting in line and basically waiting for our time slot to come around. And then we were able to filter into the actual line. So we were basically in the line for the line. Um, but once we actually got to there, it actually, it seemed to filter through pretty quickly. Um, it's located on Phillipsburg Manor, which is actually a, an old, um, property located in Sleepy Hollow. Uh, owned by the, it was the Phillips family. I don't remember the actual um, patriarch of the of the family, but um, it kind of developed into almost a park. And it's interesting because it leads you down. It's it's all outside, and it leads you down this path. This and it it was it seemed like it was kind of laid out poorly at the very beginning because. You're a little confused because you're entering down like this long path with nothing really going on, and then you've suddenly got this group of people heading the opposite direction. And you know, at first you don't really know what's going on. You think maybe you're going the wrong way, but at the end you find out that that's actually the exit is the same as the entrance. So, um, but you continue on, and they stop you at the at the entrance and they send you through in small groups, which is pretty common for most haunts, I think. And from there they will filter you through and they introduce you to this, uh, God, it, 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 he's in a, he's in a black cloak and it's very interesting that they've, he's got this black light mounted to his chest, uh, facing up towards the, you know, the bottom of his face. So it creates a very eerie effect, especially with his, hood you know it was this black robe that he's wearing with a hood and um all you can see is this blue you know blackish blue light reflecting on his face and he's leading you along to the first room or for the first section of this haunt um 
And throughout the haunt, there are actually these people located throughout the different sections, um, which I thought was very good because they're very um, adamant about keeping you together as a group. Um, and I think that was to maintain the the chance for the person in the back to get the same scare as the person in the front. That's something very smart that I thought a lot of haunts don't really do. Um, so it leads you into the first room, and it's interesting because it doesn't... You, you kind of lose yourself in the haunt because it is a very long kind of maze you're led through with the different things going on and it's it's a lot of it's very psychological because you're led through these very tiny spots where you know you think maybe you're going down the wrong area like maybe this is something that's supposed to have been closed off and you're not sure if it's the actual path or not and it's very creepy in that you know, you could be walking with your group and then suddenly there's an extra person there and you get a better look at them and you realize they're covered in blood and, you know, carrying a, a, a machete or a knife or, you know, something to that effect. Um, so a lot of those things that just kind of spring up on you suddenly, and I wouldn't even necessarily call them jump scares, but it's it's more just something that's very sudden. Um, one thing I will specifically mention about this is there is a long area where it's a very narrow walkway. Both sides are lined with corn stalks. And no matter how you try to maneuver yourself through this pathway, you're going to be brushing up against these corn stalks. And so you're creating a lot of noise uh, yourself. And it's creating like this, just this mental, you know, this audit, I guess this auditory confusion to where you don't know if you're making noise or if you're if you know one of the one of the the creepy monsters in the haunt itself are making noise and you can keep expecting somebody to jump out at you it's it's it really fucks with your head um and so you you led through these paths and the a lot of them are psychological some of them are kind of gruesome and there's there's an inclusion of a lot of classic monsters. Um, there are vampires and there are werewolves, and there are um, you know just like these little impish creature things. And uh, it's very creative the the use of space that they use because you know you look for you look at it from the outside. And my wife and I actually went back a couple of days later and see it in the daylight. And it doesn't really cover all that much space, but it seems like this thing is huge. And it, uh, it's just the way it wraps around itself. It, it seems like you go on for miles. There are a lot of ups and downs on the terrain. Uh, I mean, it's mostly like a grass and, and dirt path that you're walking. Um, and even there, there are areas where you don't necessarily think that you're walking through like a specific room, for lack of a better term. Um but there are potential scares literally around every corner. And so you're constantly on your guard. And I think that's why I mentioned the psychological things like, like the corn husk or a corn stalk um, path that plays so well because your, 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 your hackles are up the entire time and you're constantly expecting something to happen. Um, 
a lot of the scenes are kind of period pieces, and I think that might be a reflection on you know maybe the 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 time period within Sleepy Ho- Legend of Sleepy Hollow. Um, and I mentioned before that it doesn't have a lot to do with the Headless Horseman himself, but there is uh, a section or you know a, a scene within it that actually takes place in uh, Ichabod Crane's schoolhouse. It's very eerie, and you know, a lot of people would probably agree with me that children tend to make the creepiest monsters um, or you know uh, creatures, particularly in haunts. Um, so, with that, I, I, mean, I don't want to get too in depth with it. I don't want to reveal too much because it is it, it, it's worth it to for you to go and find out yourself. Um, so I think I'll probably just leave my description at that. Um, as I said before, this is a very well-polished and, and very smoothly run haunt. Um, aside from the lines and the confusion at the beginning uh, between the uh, entrance and the exit, uh, also in the exit, much like a lot of things in Sleepy Hollow, uh, the exit to it leads you directly into the gift shop, <laughs> which I thought was a little cornball. But aside from that, it was very well done, and I think overall I will give this an 8 out of 10. The other two haunts that I went to were actually complete accidents. Um, They were located in Salem, Massachusetts, here where we are now. Um, And I say accidents because they were both in they they were both spawned off of these these mainstays there in Salem. I mean, they weren't necessarily Halloween related. Um, You know, the other eleven months of the year. But because we were here in we were here in October, um, everything, all of the historical things that were located in the town, suddenly they became haunted locations, uh, which really kind of got on mostly my wife's nerves, but uh, kind of wore on me a little too, especially um, when we went to one place in particular called Count Orlock's Nightmare Gallery. Now at night, apparently, this place is converted into a haunted uh, nightmare gallery. I mean, Count Orlock's, as a rule, is a wax museum with figures of classic movie monsters. Um, I mean, they have things like Count Orlock uh, from Nosferatu. Uh, they have um, uh, they have Frankenstein. They have Phantom of the Opera, Dracula, you know, Bela Lugosi, Dracula. Um, they have the Tall Man from Phantasm. They have one of the Xenomorphs from Alien. Uh, just tons of these awesome-looking um, wax figures. The only issue was. The the whole place was practically pitch black, and um, so, I mean, my original intention was to see these wax figures, and I barely had time to look at them because the major downfall of really both of the haunts that I'm going to be talking about was the, the, the really cheap jump, jump scares. One in particular, we had this clown, my wife and I, 
were going through. And we had this one clown that seemed to be following us through the entire thing and screaming directly into our ears. Um, and he was like, he kept screaming at me in particular, kept saying, leave her behind, leave her behind. And actually in the first room of the haunt, which was laid out to be like this this funeral, this um, memorial service for the, the quote owner of this um, wax museum. Um, There was a a body of the, of a woman laying in a coffin. Um, And this guy, he was supposed to be leading us through and he's, he's playing a, playing a a record on this old um, uh, phonograph. And, it's supposed to be like the last will and testament of the owner of this wax museum. It's really kind of corny. And then, you know, as this thing is playing, it's a little more creepy sounding and suddenly the audio cuts out and the lights cut out and then they come back on and we're just surrounded by these fucking clowns and, um, just these creature, weird looking creatures. And, you know, to their credit, the makeup wasn't that bad. But all they were doing was screaming at us and making weird noises. Um, And by the time we got out, we realized that there are only like three or maybe four different people in this haunt. And aside from that, that was really all that was going on. Um, I mean, obviously we hadn't seen it in the day, so we didn't know exactly what was different from just the standard wax museum to the haunt. There were things in particular there's some uh, some limited animatronics in there um that were obviously placed there um for for the haunt itself and you know at the be- back at the beginning this one clown that kept screaming in our ears he he screamed at me like, he said your beard lacks med or mad you think he said he my beard lacks majesty it's like, okay, well, fuck you. You don't have a beard. <laughs> anyway, um, so we we made our way through, and I tried to take in what I could see of these wax figures. They looked really good, but I was kind of being hurried along by not only the people that worked in there, but by my wife because she was getting sick and tired of being screamed at. Um, so we started hurrying through and I didn't get really a lot of time to take in the wax figures. Um, it's funny because as soon as we got outside, we were approached by a woman that said, how was it? And, you know, I was trying to be, um, vague and, you know, it's like, well, you know, go inside and make your own decision because haunts don't really affect me like they affect most people. I'm a little jaded as far as horror and scares go. Um, so I'm maybe a bad judge, but my wife was more than happy to be vocal about it and just basically told her how bad it was and how, how it's basically just a lot of screaming. And the woman said, is it worth the money to get in? And I kind of hesitantly said, you know, shook my head and I felt bad because people that worked there were you know, maybe 10 feet away from us. And I, I couldn't see them, uh, in, in my line of sight, but they very well could have been, you know, looking right at us and listening to our conversation and us telling them it's not worth the money or, you know, the, the time standing in line. 
Um, in retrospect, I kind of wish I had maybe done the same with, with someone um, that had just come out before we opted to wait in the line. Um, so it, this this is kind of when I discovered you cannot take something that already exists like a wax museum and just up and convert it into a haunted house. You have to build your haunted house from the ground up. It has to be solely a haunted house. Otherwise, it doesn't work because then it just looks like you put a bunch of fucking costumed people into something that already exists and it seems very thrown together and you get to charge an extra three bucks or whatever whatever extra we paid from the actual wax museum itself so um for count orlocks i believe it was called the haunted nightmare um i will i'm gonna give it a four out of ten and that's solely based on the fact that the uh, the wax figures that I could see were very good. The next and final um, haunt that we went to is called Frankenstein's Laboratory. This was also an accident. Um, my wife wanted to go to something called the Witch's Village, which, as far as we could tell, it was kind of a guided tour through... Um, it was either kind of like a, a made-up witch village inside of this building, um, just to kind of demonstrate the actual like historical and accurate um, life of you know what would have been maybe a witch back in uh, the sixteen seventies, whenever the the witch trials took place, or maybe the sixteen nineties. God. It was just there, and I already forgot. Um, but we went in and discovered that for Halloween, it or the, the night that we had gone, it was actually converted into a haunt. So uh, my wife wanted nothing to do with that, and she was pretty upset because she was looking forward to it just to go see what was inside, just uh, kind of on a standard day. So we'd already bought the tickets, but they were actually good for uh, three total different things. And we opted to go to Frankenstein's Laboratory. Now, because this was actually located beneath, like, in the same building, but on the lower floor of the Salem Witch um, Wax Museum, we figured that this was also going or this was going to be just a wax display and what i had guessed was that it was going to be um wax figures of different scenes of the frankenstein novel uh i was wrong this was actually a very poorly planned haunt um i mean we walk in and instead of being kind of discreet about how they tell their haunters to get, you know, basically get back to position one, um, this guy, he opens the door, yells something in, and, and, and slams the door three times. Apparently that's their signal. And we walk in, and again, it's just a bunch of jump scares. It's about three people um, inside, maybe th three, maybe four, um, basically going through kind of hidden passageways or even just running ahead of us into the, into the kind of maze, um, to 
give us like jump out and scream at us in different positions throughout the maze. Um, there are some very cheap looking uh, animatronics located there um, throughout the maze, and the most upsetting thing was there was not a single thing even re- slightly related to Frankenstein. Uh, why it was called Frankenstein's Laboratory, I have no fucking clue. But it was thoroughly disappointing and um, something that, a mistake that I wish I could undo. So, um, for, uh, this is all I really want to say about this. It's, it's, I don't really remember about much about it. It wasn't very memorable. Um, so, to wrap this up, I will give Frankenstein's Laboratory in Salem, Massachusetts, a 2 out of 10. And so that's going to do it for me. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed this. I am very tired after a very long day, so um, you have to excuse me if I sound a little out of it um, and maybe rambled a little much or a little bit. Um, so anyway, I'll send you back to... Carlos and Taylor, I hope uh, you guys are enjoying the show with with their duo, uh, and I'll be back with you guys on our next regular episode, uh, which sometime in November. I don't know, I've kind of lost track of time. <laughs> anyway, uh, send it back to you guys. See ya. I like his reviews. Um, I wonder how his wife feels about him going to haunted houses on their honeymoon. Oh, is that what he did? Yeah. Yeah, that's why he's there. Does she enjoy haunted houses? Because maybe that's a fun thing to do together. Uh, I mean, we went to one, and she went with us. And I, know, I, <laughs> I like how our voice just got high for both those. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so, um, yeah, getting to the local Seattle haunts now. I guess you've you've got a story you want to share. Yeah, well, I have lots of stories, but they're not really from local because, like we talked about before the podcast, unfortunately, I wasn't able to go to any this year yet. I'm going to all of my haunted houses next week. Um, but I do have a lot of haunted house stories that happen other places. Okay. Can I, can it not be lo- local? Yeah. I mean, we haven't gotten to local yet. We're still piggybacking we're, off Tony's East coast. Oh stories, yeah. East so. coast. We're still in the not here yet. Right. Um, and then you're going to do, you, then you could do local. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, I have a bunch of stories, but I love haunted houses. Actually haunted houses and, and fun houses. I love because they're basically small mini versions of these the stuff that we love in movies, right? The stuff that we love in video games that's scary. It's like, oh, go inside this thing for a little while. Yeah, it's, it's immersing yourself in that scenario. Yeah, and and like and what's interesting is the people who enjoy them the most and people who I've went with who enjoy them the most is the people who let themselves go and just like let themselves be scared and let themselves have fun. Yeah. But what's weird for me is that I'm more interested in what's happening and I also have a background in production and stuff. So it's harder for me to not just see all the strings, you know, not see all the smoke and mirrors, mm-hmm. but I'm still enjoying it. So I go for like, wow, that was really awesome what they did there. See, I like to go and I like to look at the props and the makeup and... Well, that seems similar. Yeah. Yeah. So like I'll have friends with me and they're screaming and I'm like, oh yeah, calm down. Um, that's really awesome. <laughs> Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> that's how I talk to my friends. Yeah, that's great. Shut up. No, um, I, I just love I just love the fantastical worlds that people create. So to me, it's awesome. Um, one of the ones we went to uh, last year was in uh, San Francisco. There's this building called the Old Mint, 
and it's this old, you know, ancient building, and they open it up for certain things, and one of them is a haunted house. Is it actually an old mint? Yeah, yeah. Okay. From back in the day. <clears throat> and so the top floor is kind of, you know, a bunch of rooms, and uh, there's kind of an outside courtyard area that they put this kind of maze path. And it's okay. They, they do some jump scares, and it, <clears throat> it's kind of creepy. But the best part is you go downstairs into the basement, which is like all these old vaults, but like brick walls. And weird machinery. And you're like, this looks like we could die down here. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, they, you know, they put people kind of hiding in corners, really weird music. And it just feels like every once in a while you're walking around the corridors and it's all stone. And you feel like this is where, like, archaic bad shit happened. Yeah. You know, not just like it's a, a building that could be spooky. It's like, no, this seems like you could not come out of here. <laughs> so I really enjoyed that part of that. Um so, yeah, the old mint was a, a lot of fun. And then, um, and oh, and upstairs they did like the history of Halloween and fun, like, like you know, movies and stuff. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, then I have, uh, recently I went to, um, I was here actually. I was going to the PAX, you know, the Penny Arcade Expo. Mm-hmm. And there's this game that I'm playing, which I'd love to talk about on another podcast called The Evil Within. Yeah, you were supposed to bring me a t shirt. Was I? Yeah. Oh shit! <laughs> Wait, I was only given one. That's why. Where where is it? Can I have it? But, I mean, I I I, I wear it. <laughs> I think. Are we the same size? I don't know. I don't Roughly, know. I wear a large. Yeah, maybe we, you, you, I'll let you borrow it. All right. <laughs> it's actually a really cool T-shirt. We'll share it. I wish I could have got another one. It's got this really big eyeball on it. So even with that, I'm playing, and they they sent us to a party for the game. And it was a haunted house. Oh, cool. Uh, and so basically you went downstairs and there's this weird receptionist, nurse, lady. And she's like, all of them are in character. And they're like, you know, sign in and whatever. And they asked me questions. And then based on those questions, she like wrote me a prescription. <laughs> <laughs> and then one of them, one of the, my friends who I with, was with had to go in the chair for a little while. And because she, he, he said the wrong answer. What is the chair? Like it was just a chair that... Like, they kind of pretend to strap you down, too. And it's just to freak you out, you know. Oh, okay. uh, a fake needle, stuff like that. And uh, anyways, the whole thing was weird and pretty cool. <laughs> and you probably heard, I mentioned this in the last episode, that my friend who I was with got so scared he jump-kicked the wall. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, what's going on? Um, Which but, is a, an odd reaction. It have. is an odd reaction. <laughs> I think he jumped, and then he didn't know where he did to go from there. <laughs> and he was near the wall, and then he's, he just kicked it. But um, but that was cool. But what, like I said on the podcast, my podcast is that it was it would have been cooler if I would have known the story behind the game because there was a lot of stuff happening, but I didn't know why it was happening. And then I went mm. back and played the video game, and I was like, oh, that's oh, yeah, creepy. Yeah. So what I bring that up for is I would love to see more haunted houses do that story type of element. You know, either based on something we know, like a shining haunted house, yeah. Or based on this um, new idea that they tell you, like maybe the website says, here's a story of why this stuff happened. I mean, do haunted hells, haunted hells do that? Like, have you seen? I'm sure there are places. I can't think of any off the top of my head. But yeah, it wouldn't make a lot of sense to have, you know, just even like you said on the website, be like, this happened at this house. Right, 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 right. This is why this house is haunted. Yeah. And then have things that tie into that throughout the. Yeah, I just like the That's idea. Idea of, number five. Idea number five, people. <laughs> just it's the most valuable podcast ever for just racking them up. Halloween in Hollywood. Um, yeah, so I like that part of going to that. Uh, I would have liked it more if I would have understood what was happening. But yeah, so those are the two I've been to recently. Uh, well, the most recently. And I have another story, but I'll want you go, and then I'll tell my final story. 
right. Well, um, I used to work at a haunted house. I think I know that. Um, yeah, like when I was in high school and then a couple years after I graduated high school. It was the uh, the King County Scaregrounds, mm. which we moved locations, but we still called it the Scaregrounds. But uh, yeah, our, our slogan was, big or small, we scare them all. Okay. And so bef- every night before we started letting people in, the guy who ran it, he would yell, Boss Wasta! Mm. And everyone would yell back, Boss Wasta! Cool. And uh, yeah, my, my favorite was I worked in the Sanford and Son room. What does that mean? <laughs> which... You know, you think horror, you think Sanford and Son, right? No, yeah, I don't. <laughs> but uh, it, w- it was like the last room, and it was the room where you tried to get the one guy who couldn't get got. Oh, okay. And it was me and this one other guy, and we would be arguing. And one of us would pick up a, a trash can that was bungeed. We would throw it, and the one guy would duck, and it would like come right in front of the, the group and then just snap back. And that's some faith there. Yeah. <laughs> that we, the bungee works. We never once even thought about what if the bungee snaps? Yeah, yeah. A lawsuit and it's over. Yeah. yeah, but that never happened, so. No, it was scary. It was good. That's a cool idea though. I like that. Yeah. It's and, I mean and it's so not, you got like, everybody then in that room. Even with that thing like Yeah, I mean like I said we always tried to find the the one guy who was trying to put on a, a tough face and we we'd throw the can right at him. I feel like because I'm the guy who probably doesn't break for most of this. If you like threw a can at me, I'd be. I think I might just get real mad. <laughs> what the fuck, what man? What the fuck are you doing? My 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 favorite story from that is we had this one room where there was just gloves and masks all over the walls, and some of them had holes behind them and others didn't. Mm, I so love that. We could come from behind, put our hands and faces love in, it. and this this one guy. He was standing with his back to me, and I stuck my hands in, and I kind of tapped him on the shoulder. And he turns around, and he just starts cussing me out. He's like, what the fuck? You're not allowed to fucking touch me. Whoa. And I just, like, pulled my hands out and just walked away. <laughs> and he's sitting there just yelling at an empty mask. Because <laughs> he can't sell. I really wanted him to, like, punch the mask yeah, and yeah. have it just cave in and then have him freak the fuck out. Yeah. <gasps> Who was that then? <laughs> you, like, backed up like Homer Simpson, like, just slowly away from him. <laughs> Um, that's weird. You know what's funny? That reminds me of a, a story I heard. It w- never happened to me, but there was a hotel. Oh, hotel. I keep saying hotel because I think Bates Motel. Um, there was a room in a haunted house that was just, they ushered people in, and this was in the beginning of the tour. They all went into a room, like by groups, and they would just shut the door, and there'd be no lights. Nothing fancy, no makeup, just no lights, and they'd have long, pointy sticks or something, <laughs> and they would just poke them. And the people wouldn't know what the hell's going on, <laughs> and the, and they couldn't leave, and they wouldn't tell them what's happening. Like, how simple is that, though? Right? Yeah. This so simple. You just don't know if you're ever going to leave this room now. You don't know what's happening. Is this part of the tour? Like, what's happening? Yeah. And why are people poking me? Was that you? And that seems like a cool way to start a haunted house. So, idea number six. <laughs> <laughs> I remember last year um, Tony talked about how he went to this place called Hunt. Um, uh, Nightmare at Beaver Lake. And they went in this one room and it was just like doors everywhere. And there was these little kids in the in the room. And they're like, help us. We don't know where to go. Oh, my goodness. And they didn't realize the kids were part of the of the That's house. Brilliant. And so they were like, well, come here. Come with us. And did the kids like, oh, did the kids turn around and freak The, the kids kept taking them to the wrong doors. Oh, right, right, right. I think it's this way. Right, yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Again, that's it's messing with your what you think is to should be right and true. You know, like yeah, it just flips your reality on its head. Yeah. Oh wait, little kids lost. Well, we should help him. Yeah. Wow, there's a lot of ideas around that. 
Yeah. Kind of idea number seven. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> um, so it's a rough outline. Rough outline, that one. I- I'll say one thing that I remember it's part of this discussion. It's not a haunted house, but um, I was thinking about this. You said, hey, go think about old memories of haunted houses. And there was a place called Sylvan Beach in upstate New York. It's an amusement park area. And they had a, a place slash ride. You know, the haunted house slash fun houses that you get in a little cart and drive around. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like at the fair and stuff. Yeah. And this one was called uh, Laugh Land. <laughs> All right. Um, nothing funny. Real, well, kind of funny. So you get in the, in the, in the little train car thing or whatever it is, and you, know, you go in. And it was just so funny because it was a pretty run-down like, amusement park area. And so the, the things that they try to scare us with or freak us out with was the most insane things. Like it would take you, drive you around. And by the way, it was like uncomfortable. You know, like metal seats and like as it's going, it's like junk, 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 junk. You're like, I just want to get off this already. And it would just stop at like a picture of like a witch, and there's like a light on it, and it would be like, not even a sound effect. It's like there, look at that, <laughs> and then it would smile, like do a spin, you know, and then go to the track would go junk, 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 to like a vampire picture. There's a vampire, and I remember literally me, me going to my cousin like. Well, there's that. <laughs> and the best thing they did, the whole thing was pretty much that, just presenting you to things that weren't scary. The best part was there was a fake brick wall. And I was like, and it just goes right at it. I'm like, whoa, I think it's going to be something interesting. But it like slowly just lifts up. <laughs> it's not like it flies apart. Or it's just like, no, there's no brick wall there. We're kidding. Like you stop and the wall lifts up? No, it still, it still was going. But the, the brick wall was like, you know, like you're not really going to hit it, you know? <laughs> And well then, before it, you well be scared. enough, yeah, enough before it was. I was like, oh wait, are we gonna? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> and then the last thing was around that same time, like right after the brick wall thing, a just big pipe, like a metal like pipe, fell behind us, and we're like, is that the ride breaking, or is that part of what they're trying to scare us again? Some guy just walks out. Sorry, sorry, that was sorry. Me. That was me. I felt like it was the ride though, because I remember when we left, I think we heard it again, oh, like okay. ching, you know, like some big huge metal pipe falling that was one of the worst <laughs> non-scary things that's hilarious it is hilarious even like the Hilaf one at the man. fair is better than that oh yeah we we knew oh no the best part it did one of those things where it presented to something and there was nothing there just a light <laughs> like they had literally forgotten one of them they couldn't even give us a picture of a witch it was like just a light on like a marquee Ooh, spooky. we're like whoa that's a light <laughs> there you go people that's a it's a fun memory. So don't go to Laughland. Don't go to Laughland in Sylvan Beach if for some reason you're there. It's, I mean, maybe it's probably tore down. This is a public service announcement. I, I'm sure it's gone. I if I, if the haunted house that I worked at can't still be in business and Laughland is still in business, I'm going to be furious. Yeah. Well, now if anyone's listening and lives in upstate New York and has been to Sylvan Beach, please tell me if it's still there. Yeah. Uh, just want to know. Send us an email at contact at graveplotpodcast.com. Or you can tweet me, O-N-A-W-A, just say it. You could do that. Because it'd be funny if I was like, hey, yeah, that thing still exists. And they put something where that marquee is now. It's like there's a, or there's a, there's a thing where that light used to be. It's condos now. <laughs> it's condos. <laughs> Which is also scary. Oh. oh. All right. So uh, before Tony left, we got a chance to go to a couple of haunted houses, and we pre-recorded our reviews of those. Ooh. So let's listen to that.
and the tombstones quake. Scoop, stomp out for a swinging wake. Happy Hulk materialize. Can we get to vocalize? Grim, grinning ghosts come out to socialize. All right, so this is going to be review number one for the local Seattle haunts. For Halloween. The holiday. Of Halloween. It'll All Hallows Ween. <laughs> as Tony so eloquently put it in our trick or treat drunken cinema. <laughs> I don't even remember that. <laughs> um, okay, so yeah, last night, where'd we go? We went to Mount Lake Terrace, mm-hmm. which is a suburb of Seattle. And we went to the Haunted Nightmare at the Nile. Right. Bring your brains to Haunted Nightmare. Like your guts, too. Located at a uh, golf course in Mount Lake Terrace. Uh, golf Corpse. Ah. Per their website. Right. Um, the Nile Golf Course, hence the name. Right. It's not located at the Nile River. We did not go to Egypt. Although there was an Egypt room. There was an Egypt room. But uh, let's let's wait on that. Let's let's break it down. Um, so when we first showed up to the haunted nightmare at the Nile, we got our tickets and we then were ushered into a shuttle bus, which took us down to the actual haunted house. Right. Honestly, like, we were on the bus, I kept... Because, you know, we went there as kind of members of the of the press, so we got VIP passes. Mm-hmm. Um, and throughout the entire experience, they kept making, like... almost seemed like they were making a, a deal out of being VIPs. Um, <clears throat> when in actuality, the only difference between... A regular person and a VIP is five dollars, right? A regular ticket is fifteen dollars. A VIP ticket is twenty dollars. Yeah, and I mean, on a busier night, it might make a bigger deal. But this was the first night of them being open, and the first kind of like we were like literally the first group to go through, at least to my knowledge. I wasn't aware. I I, I believe that was that was the impression that I had gotten because we I mean we had to wait there for several minutes before we were actually were allowed to go through. So I got the impression that we were just like the first group to go through. Oh, okay. I I don't, I don't know if that's necessarily true. That's just the impression that I got. Um. So yeah, but being being VIPs, we got to go to the front of the line, which part of me loves doing, but part of me hates doing. Because <laughs> you feel like an asshole, or yeah, I feel like a dick just cutting in front of all these people that you know paid money to be here, but um. At the same time, it's like, yeah, I deserve to be at the front of the line sometimes. <laughs> um, anyway. So, yeah, we, we got shuttled down to the entrance. And then they they tell you to walk along the straw path because the, there's different rooms. And each room is outdoors. And you there's this, a straw path in between each one. Mm-hmm. The problem is the, the straw path is not well lit in many places. Right. So you're kind of feeling with your foot. Try and figure out where to go. Yeah, as long as it's almost like as long as you hear the crunch under yeah. your foot, then you know you're on the right path. Uh, I mean, to their credit, uh, 
obviously this kind of yellow golden straw kind of stands out against you know what appears to be like black dirt <laughs> yeah or grass right in some areas but so i mean typically if you have even a little bit of light you can tell the difference but there were times where it's just like not necessarily pitch black but you, you couldn't see where you were going and you weren't sure if you were on the right path or not yeah and you'd be walking through areas of light and then all of a sudden the light would be gone and so your eyes wouldn't be adjusted right to the darkness um multiple houses mm-hmm. i mean like you're you're constantly walking through one house through a small area outside and then into another house right um yeah and the first house was the manor right yes yeah you walk in and there's a, a guy standing right there and he welcomes you to whatever manner, I don't remember the name of it. I don't recall. And then there's a uh, obviously I don't I don't want to give away all their secrets, right, right. But I was kind of you know there's there's a psychic uh, kind of woman there, and you know she has a little shtick that she does. Mm-hmm. And then you walk out and you walk through the graveyard next. I th- think so. And then what was the next house? Man, I don't remember. It wasn't the asylum, right? That was later. I feel like it was, but I was don't... Was it the asylum? It seemed... Yeah. It, I don't feel like the asylum was that early. Yeah, me neither, but it does feel like that was what was next. Okay, well, let's pretend it was. <laughs> so you you walk through this... I mean, we don't necessarily have to go in order that way. Maybe it's... Even though we're talking about them, there might be a little bit of a surprise. Sure. Uh, so, you, so you walk through this insane asylum, and... There's body parts laying around, um, and then you've got crazy doctors and nurses and patients just running around and screaming at you and just being generally crazy. And that was something throughout the entire experience, through all the houses, the, um, the people appearing out of nowhere and just screaming at you. <laughs> yeah. that's Those were the things that kind of made me jump a little bit, but mainly just because I'm an edgy person. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when we walked through the first house and it was the whole psychic thing, and I was like, it's nice to see that it's not just a bunch of jump scares, mm-hmm. but pretty much the whole rest of it kind of is. Yeah. Um, Which, I mean, that's, you know, most haunted houses, that's where they are. It's a bunch right. of jump scares. But yeah, and then... You walk through, once you get through the asylum, then there's the pirate room? I don't remember. I think it might have been the pirate room. Like next. I said, I don't think we need to initially go in re- Okay, well, next we'll talk about the pirate room. Okay. Um, there's a couple of pirates in there. It's 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 a bar, basically. Yeah. And there's a couple. I don't know if they're supposed to be ghost pirates or just scary pirates, but... You know, they're there. They're hanging out. They're pillaging and plundering. Yeah. And something that I thought was a nice touch is like, and honestly, I don't know that they were necessarily like employees or like, you know, I mean, they're volunteers of the, of the haunt, obviously, but I think they may have been the Seattle pirates. Oh, really? Like the Seafair pirates? I think because they had what appeared to be like an uh, aquatic vehicle. 
kind of like similar to like the duck. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know, I know that they've the, the Seattle or the Seafair Pirates. They have a ship that's basically like a, a terrain and water vehicle. But I don't have it committed to memory, and it was dark, so I'm not really sure if that's what it was. But the fact that they had that parked there, uh, it, it it may have been them. I'm not sure. Interesting. That didn't even cross my mind. Yeah. But I know as as we passed their kind of ship, basically, um, and we were kind of walking towards the next house, basically, um, they let off this kind of boom, like, like a can oh, yeah. going off. That was that was a nice touch. That was behind me, so I didn't really see it. But yeah, I didn't see it. But I mean, like, I don't even know necessarily that seeing it was the important part. I was hearing it. Sure. Yeah. When you when you first walk out of the pirate room, you walk past the the ship, like you said, for lack of a better word. But at the same time, there's a, a little like shed area on the opposite side of the walkway, mm-hmm. so you're not really sure where to look. And I think that's kind of the point. So then you never know where something's going to jump out, or yeah, or like you know, like you said, there's the cannon. Yeah, and um, let's see what else was there. Uh, there was a carnival type thing. Yeah, you start out. There's a carnival barker outside. He's got these giant fucking claw things, like almost like Freddy Krueger. Yeah, style. it's like Freddy, but they're much much bigger. Yeah, it's almost it was almost more like Edward Scissorhands. It was to to me. It was Freddy Krueger meets Wolverine. I could see that. It was like the Wolverine claws, but they were on his fingers, so they were more like Freddy Krueger. Right. And yeah, like you said, he's just kind of... Oh, that, that was a last room, though, so maybe we should say that. Okay, well, whatever. Because there was the uh, the Egyptian room before that. Right. Um, and that Which was... was a lot of walking through hangdowns. <laughs> that was actually... Yeah, okay, that was something that was pretty frequent in like almost the entire thing, is walking through shit that was hanging from the ceiling. And in almost a pitch black room, so you couldn't really see what you were walking through. Mm-hmm. So that was a nice touch, I thought. Yeah, this one started, you, you'd walk in and there's snakes hanging from the ceiling. Mm-hmm. Which, I cannot stand snakes. <laughs> like, I know they're rubber, but still, I'm just like, god damn it, really? <laughs> I'm like Indiana Jones. Yeah, I remember when we walked in there, he's like, you're like, snakes. Why did it have to be snakes? <laughs> And then there's there's mummies that are hanging from the ceiling that you got to walk through. Yeah, and they're not. And that felt like a fucking like something out of guts. Because <laughs> 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 they're like full body size things that you got to walk through. Yeah, and they're not light either. No, they were, they had some heft to them. Yeah, for sure. And I felt bad because I'm you know kind of you know my wife is just I wouldn't say terrified, but she's like clinging to me. <laughs> And I'm trying to lead her through, and, like, I'm trying to push past these almost body weight type things and just, like, trying to kind of open them up so they don't hit her. But it's like I got to let go of them sometime, and they're just, like, as soon as I let them go, they swing back into her. Yeah, it was – our group was me, you, your wife, and then these two other women. Yeah. Who I think was a mother and a daughter. Yeah. (laughs) And they were, like, behind us at all times. Except yeah. for at one point, but right before the Egyptian room, when we were walking in between, and they like went ahead of us and just took off. Yeah, they bolted out of the house. They put we a good like ten, fifteen feet between us, and then stopped at the doorway. And they were like, "Okay, you guys go." Right. 
Yeah, and then you and I like kind of took turns going into the houses first. Right. Uh, I don't know why we were doing that. <laughs> I I don't know. It just I don't know how it started. <laughs> One well, of us was just like, okay, your turn, and then we just went yeah, back and forth. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think it's just because that the first person to walk in, you know, gets that first or like that initial feeling of like suspense and. You know, gets like the first scare and stuff. Like you, you had mentioned that a lot of places, or was it you or my wife? That was saying that like a lot of places. You know, if you're the first person in, you tend to like kind of catch a lot of people hiding. That was me that said that. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, which is true to an extent, but because well, they want to make sure everyone's in the room before they jump out or whatever it is they're going to do. Sure. So they don't want to jump out at the first person and then ruin the scare for everyone else. Yeah. So that it's it's like. You you kind of get this tension when you're the first one to walk in, but at the same time, you see the people hiding and you see them waiting for the rest of the group to come in. That's so true. It kind of ruins the scare at the same time. Yeah, I suppose. But like you said, I mean, a lot of times it's that that tension that really gets it for you. It's, yeah, it's like not really knowing what to expect. I mean, especially like you say, you see people hiding, you see. Th- things that might potentially jump out at you or whatever, but that's not always the case. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, like your wife was saying, like she just started to anticipate everything was going to jump out. <laughs> yeah. It's like even things that were inanimate, she just assumed they were going to jump out at her. Right. And that actually kind of got me at one point. And it's like I've mentioned before uh, you know, to you in, in conversation, and I think I've even said it on the show before, it's just like uh, – like jumping out at me is a bad idea <laughs> because I am like immediately on guard. <laughs> yeah. I remember there was the guy in the Egyptian room. He kind of looked like um, the fucking Iron Maiden guy from A Place in Time. Or not. What's the one? What's the Egyptian one? Uh, Power Slave. I thought it was something about time. No. Nope. Oh, okay. Somewhere in time's the one after that. Oh, okay. But yeah, he kind of looked like him a little bit. Mm hmm. And he, like, stood still when I walked by, and then he kind of lunged towards you. Yeah. And you, you said you, like, put your dukes up, kind of. Yeah, I kind of pulled an arm up and, like, kind of got it. I was, like, in a stance, like, ready to slug him, but it's like I had to catch myself. Um, but, yeah, like, so I, my wife, you know, I think I was telling this story in the car on the way back, and my wife's like, I don't know why you'd keep going through haunted houses when you know that's going to happen. It's one of these days you're going to get us kicked out of one. I know. Punch somebody in the mouth. <laughs> well, it's as long as they don't fucking touch me, then. <laughs> yeah. And then there was the, uh, the zombie military area. Right. That, which we both agree didn't really read as zombies at first. Not at first. No, there's, it's... there's one person who is like a, a military person and he's like firing a gun off. Mm-hmm. And then there's, you, you walk through, and there, there's zombies that, that pop out. Right. But yeah, it, it took me uh, uh, probably the, the second person jumping up to realize that they were supposed to be zombies. We were saying it would have been nice if like the person, the military person had been like, you know, get through there's zombies everywhere or something like that. Mm. But he had a, a mask on, so it would have been hard to, to hear. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when we first went into that area, there's a guy that kind of runs up and I, I couldn't tell if it was part of it or if he was just unprepared for us. Yeah, <laughs> but he's running up. Too. He he like runs up to the entrance of this of this area, and he says, uh, "You know, I was like, run, hurry, go, go, go." And so I was just like, 
we kind of pick up our speed a little bit and start walking through. And yeah, and it's like between him and kind of the initial appearance of the house, for lack of a better term. Um, yeah, because this one's mostly outdoors, right? Um, I, it almost seemed like it was a, like a construction zone rather than like a militarized area. Yeah, I can kind of see that. Yeah, I didn't think that at the time, but I could kind of see it. Yeah, I mean, just you know, kind of like roadblocks and or, you know, like the, like the the God, they look like sawhorses. I don't know what what the term would be for pummel them. horse, huh? A pummel horse? Is that what they're called? Yeah. Okay, but you know, they've got the you know, orange and white stripes on them and stuff. Never I'm sure mind. what you're talking about. Whatever. It it looked like a construction zone to me, and then. I I thought it was until, like they had that like military webbing kind of stuff all over the right. place, but yeah, and that that I guess that didn't really register with me at first. But then yeah, when the guy, the military guy, started like shooting, that's what it's like. Oh okay, I get it now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then the the final room is the the carnival room that we kind of touched on earlier. That we, you walk in and there's the Barker, and then he has his assistant comes out mm-hmm. and hands you these 3D glasses. Well, they're not so much 3D. It's like, I don't even know necessarily what to call them. The first time I had ever seen them is I was at a 4th of July thing. And they're basically just, you know, they're clear plastic. But they're kind of like, um, almost like kaleidoscope. Yeah. Like they, they just, they, they distort and spread colors. Rather than, you know, create like a 3D image. Mm-hmm. Like 3D glasses would. I mean, they're both like just clear plastic lenses. But they create like this very colorful experience. And I saw, like I said, I, first time I saw them were at a, it was at a 4th of July thing for watching fireworks. Okay. So, um, yeah. But yeah, and then you walk in and everything is neon painted and black lit. Mm-hmm. And when you're wearing these glasses, it's a total fucking head trip. Yeah. Like everything... <clears throat> Like you're not quite sure how far away or how close it is, and there's things painted on the wall that look to be sticking out, and mm-hmm. it's the whole thing was just that was trippy. Yeah, that was probably what disoriented me the most. Definitely. Um, I mean, and that's even saying like different houses along the whole haunt. There were parts where like it was like in the um, the I think it was the the Egyptian house. There was a part where this. It's like pitch, almost pitch black. You can't really see where you're going, and the ceiling drops down. Oh, that was when we first walked into the Egyptian room. Yeah, yeah, and that was kind of a, a mind fuck a little bit. Yeah, like I didn't even realize that was happening, and I just walked, and all of a sudden, bonk. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, like I said, because you, you can't see that it's happening. Yeah. <laughs> I said, like this is like Willy Wonka. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that. Um, it freaked my wife out too. She's like, "Oh my god, what's happening?" <laughs> So yeah, so you're walking through this like you're you're already in this disoriented state, yeah. And then you've got people jumping out at you and singing and being creepy. And then like at one point, there's you walk into this room and there's stars painted all over. Mm-hmm. And you, at least for me, I couldn't tell what was a wall and what I could walk through. And then there was like ribbons hanging from the ceiling, and they looked hard. Yeah, they looked like like pillars or like two by twos or something. Yeah. But when I like touched one, it just moved right out of the way. Right. It was just like, I couldn't tell where to go. Yeah. And, um, 
Yeah, I mean, I had the exact same notion as I was just looking at these things and like I'm like trying to walk around them, and then I like I accidentally like bumped into one, saw that it was you know like a, like a ribbon or a sash or whatever. See, when I when I first walked in, the area directly in front of us to me looked like a wall, and so oh, I'm yeah. like putting my hands out. I probably look like a moron just kind of waving my hands around <laughs> like a shitty magician. <laughs> But it's funny because that area, that was just like a big, wide-open room. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't even like a narrow but hallway it, or anything. But it looked like it was yeah, totally tight and constrictive. Yeah. I heard your, your wife was like, just take off the glasses. I'm like, Where the, where's the fun in that? Yeah. She does that. <laughs> well, I mean, she couldn't get it, get him to stay on over her glasses. Yeah. So Which I was able to. I put them on over my glasses, so. I don't know. And then there's another part where there's like different colored squares painted on the walls, yeah. and that they look like they're at different heights. Yeah. When in actuality they're just flat on the floors and the walls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember we turned the corner and we're both just like, "Oh fuck!" <laughs> <laughs> and then as you walk out, there's there's one final scare, which is pretty good. Um. Yeah. And. The only Although, of- again, I walked through first, so I kind of saw it beforehand, so I kind of knew what to expect, so I didn't really... And I think that person kind of, like, maybe shot their wad a little early, because then, you know, like, my wife and I, we both knew what to expect, because it was already going on, like, two feet in front of us, so... Yeah, it was like it was like he waited for me to go by, but kind of did it before you guys went by, so it was kind of in between. Yeah. It was like he waited for me to go by, and I was like, oh, shit, I need to do it. Yeah. Need to go now, and it just and you know. So I think one of my complaints about it, about the whole thing, was just that it was not very well laid out, or not not that it was very la- not very well laid out. It was um, we couldn't tell where we needed to go a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, we mentioned that they had the the kind of hay trail, but that was not always super visible. Yeah, and then even in the houses. Which, you know, intended to disorient and kind of, like, not really know where to go. But in one of the houses, there is actually a part where a person kind of pops out and screams at you. Um, And I got, like, I was, like, kind of the front of the pack at one point, And, like, I just see this curtain hanging down. And I think that's where we're supposed to go. Oh, yeah. So I open it up. And it's the <laughs> the room where this person that's screaming at you is sitting. And, like, I don't – she didn't see us, but, like, I close the curtain. I'm like, wrong way, wrong way. And I'm yeah, trying- then you're like, go that way. And it's like, I didn't even realize there was a door there. Exactly. And that was the thing is, like, a lot of times it's like you couldn't tell where you were supposed to go. Yeah. Um, like, that perfect case in point right there is, like, you know, we walked in the wrong area. I felt like you, you, you went go that way and you kind of like nudged me to go that way. And it felt like I was knocking the wall over mm-hmm. when I walked out the door. Yeah. And it's like the only reason I knew that it was a door because it was slightly ajar. Like I could see the outside. So I was like, okay, well, that's the door there. And just... But yeah, that, I think that was probably my biggest complaint is a lot of time didn't know where, where I was going. See, my biggest complaint was that I felt like there was some wasted space. Because at one point you're walking between houses and you just – you kind of walk around this wooded area and nothing happens. Yeah. You're walking for probably a good, you know, minute, minute and a half and there's nothing there. 
Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, like, not even just where they should have built a house there, but there's trees and bushes there that they could have stuck somebody in to jump out or, yeah. you know, put a creepy decoration or lights or something. Mm-hmm. But there was just nothing. Yeah. And, I mean, like, at times, like, you, I think you kind of want to mix that kind of thing up. It's like sometimes you want to have those big open spaces where you think something's going to happen, but it doesn't, just to kind of build the tension. True. But then you can't do that every single time. Like I found myself every time we walked past a tree, I would look to the backside of the tree because I expected someone to be there. Mm-hmm. And there there never was. Yeah. And there, were time, there, there was a point where we walked through one room and fully expected something to jump out at us. And nothing did. And I'm just, I'm thinking, I really wonder if something was supposed to happen oh, there. <laughs> I totally forgot about that room. Yeah, it's like literally you walk through the entire thing and nothing happens. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. There's yeah. not even like any weird things to look at. It's just you just walk through and there's nothing there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean like the the people working at the, at the, the Nightmare, um, like I said, I think this was probably their first show of the season. Mm-hmm. Like their, what well, I think was probably the first pat run through for the first show, of the first or the first show of the season. So maybe they just hadn't really gotten it together quite yeah. yet. Could be. Um, but that's not to say that it didn't have its, you know, up points. You know. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Like I, th- I definitely wouldn't say this was bad by any no, means. No. 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 Um, <clears throat> it it um just I guess to go to something like let's say like the nightmare at Beaver Lake, um, which I I believe I, I talked about on the show last yeah, year. Yeah, I know we, we you got to get your fucking cheap plug for Nightmare at Beaver Lake and fuck you. <laughs> um, going there last year, you could you could just tell that it was very. Streamlined, I guess. I mean, like you could tell these are people that have been doing this for a long time. They've kind of got it down to a science almost. As opposed to this, which I wouldn't say that it was not tight and it wasn't well put together. It's just like I think um, our our uh, kind of shuttle driver said that they've been doing it for five years. Uh, I don't recall. Well, it was only as compared to Beaver Lake, much shorter period of time. So they probably just hadn't kind of gotten that system down like like they have. Um, And I I think that's just a matter of of time for you know an experience getting that kind of thing going. Yeah. But overall, I think I uh, overall I would say I, I enjoyed myself and it was it was a good time. Yeah, um, I agree. Yeah, I mean, um, you pointed out. I think it was. It may have actually been your wife that pointed out that this there was a lack of blood. Oh yeah, that was me. Um, like we said, there there was like body parts in the asylum, mm-hmm. but overall, it wasn't a very gory haunted house. No, it really wasn't. Um, and there were parts where there should have been a lot of blood. Like, like you said, with that part with a lot of body parts, and there was like a decapitated body at one point, and there was there was blood, but not a lot. Yeah, and you know it's like as far as like realism goes, you don't 
you wouldn't want to go like over the top, but it's a haunted house, so you know, fucking put blood everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. Overall, I think it was it was a good time and something I like. You know, I'd probably do it again next year. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I thought it was well put together um, overall, and I do think the the actors seemed on the young side, which makes me think they're probably not people who do it. Like have have not been doing it very long, right? But yeah, overall, I think it, it was well done. The the houses themselves were were cool, mm-hmm. like they, visually, they were very well done. Yeah, you know, the lighting was good and the decorations were very good. Mm-hmm. Overall, I think I would give it a six. All right. Um. Yeah it it was it was kind of the the little things that they did that really gave it a little something extra i think i mean like when we did the when we walked through the this the insane asylum um there was actually a sign about i don't know 25 yards ahead of the actual house itself Mm -hmm. for this i forget the name but you know something uh prison for the criminally insane right and it looked like an old-fashioned sign that you would probably see in an insane asylum or something uh just you know all wood hand painted and then lit by like a floodlight like a single floodlight from overhead and it just it was very reminiscent of something that you would probably see outside of a facility like that you know back in like maybe like the 50s or something right so it was little touches like that um that i thought were pretty cool and like the, the the carnival one, it was actually done up like a like a big top tent, right? Yeah, um, and I I believe you don't see a lot of those exterior touches. Yeah, you see a lot of places will will just focus on the interior. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was nice to see them actually focus on the exterior since you were walking in between houses, and so you got to see all that exterior stuff. Yeah, um, and actually, I only mentioned that. That was probably another complaint of mine. Is I think I mentioned to the, this to you last night. Is just the way that the path was laid out. There was a lot of um, kind of breaking the the fourth wall for essentially. Yeah, I mean, like you're kind of like looking for like this immersive experience, and you're walking along this path. It's not very well lit, but at certain points, you're like walking. And you can see the concession stands and like the line of people waiting to get in and stuff. Yeah. It just kind of, kind of pulls you out a little, a little bit. And I feel like that's probably something that could be easily remedied by something as simple as a fence or something. Yeah. Um, Plywood wall. Yeah. Um, anyway, so <laughs> this is my lengthy way of saying that I would probably give it. Uh, seven. This building in the industrial area of Seattle was shut down. It all began with a scream of a 911. For unspeakable reasons. As you move through the house, don't make a sound. Cube 93's haunted house. All right, so now we're talking about the Georgetown Morgue in Georgetown, 
Seattle, Washington. United yeah, the States. the only haunt in Seattle. Yeah, um, which I don't. It didn't occur to me. Did it occur to you? I did not know. Yeah, me neither. Um, I feel like there must have been more at some point, but not anymore. Apparently not anymore. Yeah. Um, we uh, just got back, so it's fresh in our minds. Hopefully, <laughs> more or less. Uh, I guess we'll find out as we talk about it. Um, so. What did you think overall? I thought it was great. Yeah, it was really good. Um, I was almost stunned by how good it was. Yeah, like, I I mean, I had high expectations because it's presented by Cube 93, a local radio station. Right. And I, I haven't been to this location before, but I have been to a Cube 93 haunted house in the past. Right. And it was very good. Yeah. So I had high expectations. But I think this still exceeded them. Right, yeah, yeah. Um I I'm kinda same way I remember sorry. Uh I I remember just being a kid, the Cube ninety three house was always like the big one in yeah. the area. Um and so I, obviously just based on those memories I had a lot of high expectations and um same way or same thing. It's like it, met and exceeded them so um very good um so why don't we not necessarily talk about the actual scenes i guess um but let's start off with a little bit of history yeah yeah let's go and do that um according to their website they started in uh, i want to say 1928 the the building was built in 1920 i should say it didn't like start um and it, it is a real-life mortuary. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was built in 1928 as um, under its original name, which was the Coaling Mortuary Services of Seattle. Originally owned by Scotland Timothy Coaling, Coaling Mortuary Services of Seattle constructed the three-story facility in 1928 as a single-purpose funeral preparations facility. It was then sold in 1939 to the Broughton Brothers and renamed the Broughton Brothers Funeral Services. Uh, Charles and Henry Broughton, they took it over, and they but they still operated it as a mortuary. On October 25th, 1968, which was just recently, just we just had the anniversary. My God. Uh, on that evening, during a business meeting on the premises, two or perhaps three suspects, assumed to have been armed, entered the building and forced all nine attendees, or the entire facility staff of Broughton Brothers Funeral Services, including company owner Henry Broughton, to be bound. In what is considered to be the most horrifying unsolved crime in Seattle history, each attendee was forced into the crematorium chamber. There were no surviving witnesses, nor were suspects ever identified. So, fuck. Goddamn. So, that's what we're dealing with here. It's very spooky. Yeah, so uh, a haunt with a lot of uh, history. Yeah, we- whether or not the history yeah. is real <laughs> is up for debate. Um, I don't think we're going to debate it here because that's not what this is about. Yeah. But even I will say, even if it's fake, it's nice to have a, a haunted house put in that effort mm-hmm. of making a backstory Yeah, like and putting that in your head before you even walk in the front door. Right, we were uh, talking earlier about it. It's like, <clears throat> the amount of work that went must have gone into creating this history, 
must have taken just a lot of time and cultivation and just elaborate planning to create this history, you know, should it be not real. Right. Um, so um, we were working with one of the owners um, to kind of give us access to the house. Um, Scott Coling was his name. Right. Um, and, yeah, Scott and his wife, Deanna, uh, which is who we were actually corresponding with initially. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were both really friendly people. Mm-hmm. Um, very uh, welcoming and uh, helpful. Um, and anyway, so let's uh, talk a little bit about the haunt itself, um, kind of what we experienced. And, um, and just like the, the Nile, we don't really want to reveal too much mm-hmm. um which makes it a little difficult but we're gonna we're gonna try um i will say like i've been to many a haunted house i've worked in a haunted house so not a lot gets me mm-hmm. i usually know where to look where the hidden things are but they this one got me more than once yeah um there was one guy who was at the, like in the end of a hallway and there was a strobe light and it, it was a little slower than it wasn't like a pulsing it was a little bit slower and so it, it was we were in a, came around a corner and i saw him and then like the light flashed and when when the light flashed again i swear to god he was right in my face <laughs> and i was like holy shit yeah. um there's a lot, a lot of those thing kind of things going on through the entire house and I think the overall and like kind of all-encompassing thing in the house was a lot of um, not necessarily sensory deprivation, but uh, maybe sensory control. I guess. Yeah. Uh, I mean, with the strobe lights, not you know, like basically controlling what you saw and when you saw it. Um, which, you know, for someone like me who doesn't see that well in the dark and my eyes don't adjust to light very quickly. Like I was almost completely blind, like the entire time. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, there was, there was def there was a strobe in almost every room mm -hmm. and they pulsed at different, different rates. So it wasn't like you could really get used to it. Yeah. Um, and the other thing was that, uh, the, the floor, through the entire thing, it was constantly changing. I mean, there were points where you're walking over like a metal grate, and it's not like a very sturdy grate. It, like you can feel it dip down when you step on it, mm -hmm. <clears throat> and that was very um, kind of nerve wracking, almost. And well, yeah, and there's parts where it'll be straight, and then all of a sudden it'll dip a little bit, and it'll come back up. Yeah. And then there's also parts where the floor is even hydraulic. Yeah, yeah. And the floor will literally move under your feet. Mm -hmm. Um, and I mean, to a certain extent that, you know, to be kind of the, uh, the, the buzzkill that almost seems like it's a bit of a safety hazard, but possibly, yeah. Yeah. I mean, but you know, for people that are able-bodied like us, I mean, it's not, it's, it's all fun. I mean, it's not an issue. Um, and there was a point where the, the floor was like all wooden planks too. Oh yeah. And I, I, 
it almost felt like you were like walking like on kind of like a wood bridge or like a like a suspension or what's like like a rope bridge. Yeah. Where like it kind of bent underneath your right. feet or like flexed almost. Um, so I mean that kind of shit it's like throughout the entire house and um, for me at least that because you know I, I've got a I've got a bad knee as you know um, that I'm very cautious of how I step and where I step because you know one bad step and I could fuck my day up <laughs> um, so I'm very cautious about where I'm stepping and it kind of bugs me when I can't see where I'm stepping. So this had me looking down at the ground a lot, and it almost seemed like that was the point because I think a lot of people would be trying to watch where they're step or, or where they're stepping, and you know you look down and you look back up, and there's somebody coming after you. Right. So um, that was very uh, a very effective tool, I think. Uh, yeah, it's like we're saying the floor just fluctuated from room to room, mm-hmm. so it's like you never really knew. What was going to happen when you took another step? Yeah. You didn't know if the floor was going to be wood, if it was going to be soft, if it was going to flex underneath you, if it was going to jump up. Yeah. So, yeah, it was it was disorienting. Yeah, I mean, there was, this, there was, there was a point where we kind of turned a corner, and they've got, like, um, like, plastic flaps in between each room. So you have to walk through something into every room. Mm-hmm. Um, and this room, like... You hit the, the plastic flaps and you spread them open, and there's a flat, there's a, a f- strobe light almost flashing almost directly in your eyes, and like right at the entrance of the room, there's an incline. And I don't know about you, but like, like you and your girlfriend were ahead of me, and I saw you get tripped up by something, but I couldn't tell what it was. And as soon as I walked in there, my I hit my foot wrong on on the on this ramp. And I like tripped over a little bit, so. Um, so I mean that, that that's kind of what I was talking about by like sensory control, yeah, um, being a very effective tool in, in this house, and that's something you don't really see in a lot of uh, haunts. True. Um, Most of them are just you know flat, or there'll be like a slight inc- incline or decline, but yeah. it's not like flat and then an incline and then flat and then another incline and then a decline. Right, it's more controlled, whereas this is just seemingly random at mm-hmm. points. Yeah, I mean, there's there's one room in particular where you walk through, and there is a uh, fountain's not really the right word for it, but there, there there's a water feature. <laughs> it's it's more well, it's kind of a waterfall, I would say. Sort of. Uh, it's it's like a fountain, but it's it's probably what ten feet tall. Oh no no no! Sorry. Are we thinking of different? Yeah, we're talking rooms? about different things. Well, oh. it's it's actually I think it's designed to look like maybe like a sewage like pipe. Okay, I know what part you're talking about now. Yeah. And like, I didn't realize it at the time. Like it didn't occur to me, but the entire floor underneath us was all water. Like so, we were walking over water over the steel grate. That was like flexing under our feet. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, I mean that, like even in retrospect, that was kind of nerve wrecking and, um, yeah. Sorry if I'm a little spacey here, guys. Uh, I'm I'm kind of jet lagged. I just got back yesterday morning and <laughs> I'm still trying to get back on track. 
Um, yeah, and, I'm like we like we said earlier, we got a chance to talk to Scott, um, the owner, and he he gave us a little bit of knowledge. Said that they they have been using this building for seven years now, and it's it's a permanent haunt. It's this this is what this building is. Mm-hmm. This isn't like they come in in you know late September and build it up, and then in November they go home. This this is what it is. So everything that gets built gets left in there, so they can they can go nuts. Yeah, I mean, he said that the outer perimeter stays put, um, but the the inner things, you know, they'll they'll shift them around just so it's not the same haunt every single year. Right. Uh, he well, he did say um, just about half of it is new this year. Right. It's all new attractions. Yeah, and he said that uh, <laughs> he's actually accumulated quite a collection of stuff. Yeah, he said he's got a semi truck full of stuff. Yeah, um, that he has bought off of other failed haunts in the area. Um, you know, guys that they just go out and buy stuff and just throw them into a building and call it a haunt, and then they go tits up and <laughs> he, he buys their shit off of them. Um, so yeah, he says he wants to. I mean, after he kind of told us what was new. Um, I could definitely tell just because there wasn't as much emphasis put on those rooms. Really? Well, not at the time, but after he's you know told us which rooms were new and um, as far as the construction of them, or just the the the, the design. You know, I mean, construction to an extent, but like just um, the atmosphere and um, mostly visual things. I mean, just it wasn't. As um, what's the word? Polished. Pol- yeah, thank you. Polished as the other rooms. I get, okay, yeah. I guess I could see that. Yeah. Um, not to say they weren't as effective as the other ones. Yeah. Um. And yeah, Scott said he's been haunting for twenty years. Uh, Fourteen with Cube, and then like we said, seven at this location. Mm-hmm. So he he knows his stuff. Yeah. Um. All the actors are seasoned. Right. He said they're all over 21 actors, which is not something you typically see at a lot of haunts. Right. You see a lot of like high school age kids. And even younger. And younger, yeah. Which takes away from it. I mean, unless the kid, unless the scene specifically calls for kids, if you have a kid in just some random scene, it really destroys credibility, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And one one thing I really liked about this one is, and this is something we touched on with the the haunted nightmare, is that it wasn't just jump scares. Right. There were rooms that were psychologically pretty fucked up. Yeah. Um, like there was one room where you, when you first walk up to it, the uh, the um, sheets of plastic that are covering the doorway are all clear, so you can see into the room, mm-hmm. and all you can see is five, six, seven what appear to be human shaped figures just draped in sheets. Here we go. That's what they look like. Yeah. Charlie Brown ghosts. <laughs> like I got to the door and I was like, your turn, Tony, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. And then, well, I guess I don't really want to go too deep into that scene. I, I, I this is such a good haunt. I don't really want to, Right. Deconstruct their so it's like we're, too much. we're walking around these figures and you're just waiting for one of them to jump out. Mm-hmm. And at one point you went one way and we were like, nope, can't go that way. Yeah. So we ended up, ended up going around the other way. Um, and still like, so it's like 
we went one way and you're anticipating and so you're like nope can't go that way and it's like no i gotta go through these people and it's like who's gonna jump out and then yeah yeah um so yeah i mean that's that's something that you know when we've talked about it's like man we could make a haunt (laughs) and we can make it with like some really just fucked up mental shit um there there's a lot of scenes in there like things that i think you and i probably would come up with uh i mean not exactly but along the same lines you know just just really fucks with your head not so much relies on like the jump scares and um and uh but there was no shortage of jump scares either no there there weren't um they they were a little more effective than a lot of ones like ones at other haunts because it wasn't just some guy like hopping out in front of you it's like they kind of like come out from the shadows yeah and just kind of stalk you and that was another thing it's like you leave a room and you think it's like okay well I'm done with that person and then you could like loop around to the other side of the scene and they could come out and get you from that side or sometimes they'd even follow you out of the room yeah. into the next one um, into kind of what uh, I mean transitional rooms I guess for back, lack of a better term yeah because yeah the, the path would kind of like you around an area yeah. and the actor would be in that middle area like there's one point where a guy like jumped out and my girlfriend screamed <laughs> and then we looped around and she saw him again she's like oh there he is again he's like here I come yeah I know there's one point where um, it may have been the same guy. I, I can't remember now, but um, there's a guy in a scene that made her jump and scream, and I was walking behind her, and I lost my footing at one point and kind of fell into her a little bit. And at the same time that happened, this guy came up behind me because you know he picked her out like a like a of course bullseye, and uh, <laughs> he came up and like got as close to her as he could and he says I'm right behind you and she thought it was me <laughs> fucking with her and then like I think she thought that through the entire house I, and she's like and then you scared me I'm like I didn't do anything <laughs> um, so like I was saying uh, all the actors are adults um, and uh, very professional very good at staying in character um and when I mean these are actually like paid actors, which was surprising. Yeah. Because I mean when we when Scott was taking us up and kind of showing us um, the inner workings of the of the haunt, like he took us up into the green room, showed us the makeup room and stuff like that, and um, just noticed the, a rack of time cards on the wall. Yeah. So that was surprising, um, but but nice. I mean you don't really see a lot of haunts getting paid. It's all volunteer stuff and. To know that, it's like, these are, I mean, they're getting paid, so you kind of have to consider them professional actors. So. I guess so, yeah. Um, and, th- I mean, that gives them a little more incentive, too. Yeah, definitely. Because it's, you know, if you want to come back next year, you you got to bring it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and he says he, he holds auditions. <laughs> Talks retarded. <laughs> um, and, uh. 
Yeah, so he, he mentioned that he holds auditions, which I feel is like uh, another thing you don't really see from a lot of haunts. Yeah, most of them are just volunteers, so yeah. it's just they just take who they can get. Exactly. Yeah, but I mean, he, he only has about 20 actors in, yeah. the, in the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it, it could have been more. It could have been less than that. I mean, you don't really take a, a, take a tally when you're walking through the house. But. Well, not only that, like there are times where you would walk through a room and there was a person there, but they didn't really do anything. And so it's you, you kind of go. Was that a person? Was that a prop? Mm-hmm. Was it a mannequin? So yeah. there, there could have been more people than we even realized. And we just like the room with the, the with the sheets. That those could have all been real people. They could have all been mannequins. They could have been some people, some mannequins. Right. We have no way of knowing. Yeah. I mean, that, um, again, just with this with the psychological thing. I mean, that was uh, something that I think really had going for it was just messing with your head and not knowing what to expect or when to expect it yeah. or even, to, you know, to expect anything at all. And like I was saying, when we first left, it did a very good job of drawing your attention one way and then attacking you from the other side. Yeah. Which it's, you know, that's an, an old trick, but it's still very effective. Yeah. You just draw someone's attention one way. It's you know it's an old magician's trick. Slide yeah. a hand, you just yeah, exactly. Um, and like I mentioned, uh, you know these guys they they will come out of nowhere. I mean they'll be in the room with you, but just kind of step out of the shadows. Yeah, and something we I, I mean I don't want to talk too much about like the behind the scenes stuff because that might kind of take away some of the uh, the uh, experience I think. Yeah, um, but there were. There, there was this kind of outer walkway that went around literally the entire haunt, like the, out, around the outside perimeter. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were actors stepping in and out of these doors that I had no idea were even there when we were walking through. Yeah. But, I mean, they're, I think they're kind of multi-purpose. He, I mean, we saw the actors kind of stepping in and out. I think they were using them to kind of reset in their scenes. Mm-hmm. But they're also there for emergency purposes. He mentioned that, like, if, uh, you know, it says if there's an emergency, we have the guests, you know, come through these doors and go in this direction. And so, I mean, like I said, they're kind of multi-purpose. And, um, yeah, Scott talked about, like, everything he had to go through to get this building. He said that west of the Mississippi, the guidelines are just incredibly strict Mm -hmm. and that he has to, you know, he has to get all kinds of inspections from fire marshals and everybody else. And that that's why he's the only haunt in Seattle. Right. It's because it it takes so much work and so many permits and so much inspections just to get this thing that, you know, runs for a month and a half out of the year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I mean, he said that like, I mean, obviously, the building has to have, you know, a a sprinkler system and um, plumbing and electricity, you know, uh, sufficient electricity, and it has has to have a parking lot. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Um, Yeah, uh, that was something I was even surprised that was available when we pulled up. You know, know, there's no fucking parking in Seattle. Right. (laughs) Um, So, for there to not only be a parking lot, but it was also free. Yeah. was pretty shocking. And I don't know if he did. I meant to ask him, but I, I forgot. 
to, uh, but I don't know if he actually owns that parking lot or if he like leases it from a oh, yeah, local I don't know. company or something. Um, I thought all the the makeup, you know, as far as we could see, because again, it was very disorienting with lots of strobe lights and stuff. But the makeup all seemed very good. Um, you know, we got we got to see their makeup room, mm-hmm. and they had a lot of um, prosthetics. I kind of said they don't really do full masks anymore, mm-hmm. which is good because I think that that's lazy. Right. Um, you know, they have like full masks and prosthetic pieces that go on your face, but it's mostly just a lot of makeup. And the the makeup was well done, and I thought that the props were awesome. Like, not just visually looking, but they were all put together very well. There was no, you know, seams or things falling off the walls or anything. Yeah. Um, the part that I thought you were talking about earlier was there's this, like, 10-foot blood waterfall at one point, which we didn't really re- realize was blood when we walked through it. Oh, that that was what I was talking about. Oh, it was. But I it wasn't 10 feet. I mean, that was it was relatively close to your feet. To the ground. Uh, when we were behind the scenes, it was looked tall. It, it was it was tall. The scene was tall. But oh, but the waterfall itself was. Not. Yeah, it was probably maybe a foot up from ground level. I will say I don't want to give away how, but we did get to go behind the scenes, and there was a place where we could stand and watch people going through. Yeah, and that was awesome. That was really cool because you could stand and you, you could look to your left and see the actor, and then look to your right and see the groups coming down and they would come around the corner and you would see the actor run up and get them. Yeah. And it was, it was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It was just, I mean, we were kind of locked on these two. And scenes. that was the guy that got me. Yeah. Um, yeah. We were kind of locked on these two scenes. Um, it was kind of a shame we couldn't walk around and see the rest of the house. Yeah. But I mean, um, I feel like that would have been a lot more construction. Yeah, Definitely. Um, so what, what was your favorite room? Oh, or what room scared you the most? Oh, we didn't even touch on the claustrophobia room. I was going to say that. I think that may have been the one that kind of got me. Yeah. I remember when I like pulled the, the curtain open and I saw it and at first I was just like, where the hell do we go? Yeah, and then I realized we had to go through it, and I was just like, "This is fucked up." Yeah. <laughs> um, one of the one of the rules that's posted outside is no foul language, and I broke it at least twice because <laughs> I said "holy shit" once, and I said "this is fucked up." Yeah, I uh, I did it in the first room. <laughs> What'd you say? I well, I mean, it wasn't egregious, but like. Uh, one thing I, I guess a guy jumped out and you were like fuck shit ass tits balls yeah no um I think one of the things that I, I think maybe I speak against in this haunt was the opening room was a kind of like a funeral type it was thing a morgue what a morgue well sure but there are so many haunts that start with some kind of funeral it's, yeah it's just it's come to a point at least for me where it's like I almost expect it so it'd be nice just to not have that for a change I understand it's a nice kind of transition to build up to other things yeah that was one thing we were talking about on the, on the drive back is the, this one starts out a little bit slow yeah but it, it builds up to a much much stronger right um, but there's a point where there's an, an air jet oh yeah <laughs> like it almost seems like it might be like 
like an air cannon. Yeah, some kind of hydraulic of some kind. Yeah, but I didn't, it, it was going off as we walked through the scene, but you guys had already walked through and were going into the next room, and I just caught this fucking blast of air <laughs> in the face. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't say, like, oh, fuck. I just was like, God damn it. <laughs> I mean, there was, like, I don't think the actors are going to be like, hey, yeah, get this guy out of here. Yeah. He's using foul language. He said the SHIT word. <laughs> um, we we did see one of the actors get slapped, though. Yeah, that was. Um, it, it was funny because he was just talking about that. Yeah, and um, he took us into this kind of outer perimeter, and this actor stepped back. She's holding her face, and she says, uh, "Scott, what do we do if somebody slaps us in the face?" <laughs> He's like. You get him out of here. He actually goes into the, into the, uh, like the main rooms, and tracks the person down. And I don't know if he yanked him or yanked him out or told him to just. I mean, we I, we could off. hear him yelling at them. Yeah, he was like, "Don't touch any of the actors." But I don't know if he actually kicked him out. Right. Yeah. I mean, we didn't have like a clear view into the room itself. We were, all we could see was just the wall separating right. us. Um. So, but yeah, it was it was kind of funny that well, it was it was funny that it was it happened at the same time that he was talking about it. Right. Not so funny that the poor girl got slapped in the face. Yeah, that that part wasn't funny. It wasn't like ha ha funny. It just kind of ironic funny. So you're going with the claustrophobic room is? I think so. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a claustro I'm not a claustrophobic person. Yeah. It was just eerie um, walking through. Walking through there and, you know, up above you, you could hear people fucking with you. On I could see them, too, like, crawling around. Oh, could you? Because I, I looked, like, directly. I saw at least one when we first walked in. Oh, okay. Yeah, I looked, like, almost directly into the strobe lights, so I couldn't see <laughs> fucking anything. But what I did see was right above us, body parts. That yeah. They looked wet. Yeah. Like they're, you know, the the blood actually looked wet. Yeah, I was it. worried those were going to fall on us. Yeah, and that's what it, that's what it was what it looked like because we were pushing through these pads and when you push through them it looks like these things are going to start spilling mm-hmm. over onto you. And so yeah, I think that was probably the room that creeped me out the most. Yeah, I would say either that or the room with the with the sheets. Yeah, that was that was eerie. Um I will say I will reveal to you any any of you that might be going to the morgue in this claustrophobia room, watch out for the step at the bottom. <laughs> I don't know if that was intentional to fuck with you, but I, as I said before, somebody with a bad knee, that could really fuck you up if you hit it wrong. So be aware of that. Yeah, and there's no way to see it. No. And I, I'm sorry, Scott, if that's kind of revealing a secret, but I, I got to let my my, <laughs> my uh, handicapped brother know. <laughs> um. Anyway, um, anything else to say on the matter? Do we want to get Lynn's perspective? If she wants to. Lynn! Do you want to give us your perspective? You're going to laugh at me. Yes or no? I'm allowed to? Yes. I get to be on the podcast? Yes. What was your favorite room? You're going to give it away and tell them what the rooms are? Well, I mean, don't, like, say what happens, but just, like, give a description. Yeah, of be the kind of vague. Yeah. Hmm. 
think that I had a particularly favorite room, but I just liked that they treated the whole the whole space sort of as a maze so that you didn't really know. I didn't know where I was in the process. Like, it wasn't as, like, room one, room two, room three. Like, there are a lot of places where you felt like you were in between rooms, but you were still getting scared. Yeah, that, that was kind of something that you had mentioned, or I guess something that you had mentioned before and that I think the three of us were talking about afterwards is that, like, your, your, your concept of time was kind of skewed in there. Like, you didn't really know how long you've been in there. You didn't know how much longer you're going to be in there. Yeah, um, and, and when you got out of it, you're kind of like, oh, that was kind of fast, but it felt like forever, and you kind of wanted to be away from the people chasing you, but <laughs> couldn't. Like, there was no clear path to get out, and I just couldn't tell. Like, you lost track of how many times you turned left and right that I wouldn't have been able to find my way. Out. Yeah, I, there was a couple points where I was getting worried that we were walking in a circle. <laughs> Because like, we probably were. <coughs> well, I was worried we were going to loop back to where we had started and have to go back <laughs> through the room. There was again. a couple, like, fake doors, and I was, I, like, I would start to go one way and think that I was doubling back, and I was like, oh, shit, maybe I was supposed to go through that door. <laughs> yeah. So you didn't really give an answer. Well, my favorite room was? Yeah. I think the first time that the kind of terrain changed like it would go up or down or they're like hydraulic floor yeah i thought that was really cool because i don't think i've ever been in a haunted house where the floor changed yeah. and that was kind of unnerving that I, the, the ground wasn't safe what who what actor or what room scared you the most well there was the one girl who had her a mouth painted on her the paint and then we saw her later on the tour did you guys talk yeah okay and like just seeing her up close i was like i saw you a lot in that <laughs> in there like she just kind of popped in and out and i kept seeing her and we saw her outside that she kind of just stuck out as someone who seemed like she was everywhere and i think that that happened a lot in there where you would think because you turned so many times that you would see the same person but they'd be at just as scary as the first time you saw them yeah that i think she stuck out and was probably the most prominent to me but she also wasn't chained to one place so that might have been why okay if if you had to give the georgetown morgue a rating of one to ten what would you give it um i think i would give it an eight, just because when I was younger, I went on ones and like hay rides and stuff that had like animatronics and were much more elaborate. But I think for being a building with people, more people focused, that it was really well done. And I was scared, but I had a lot of fun in it. Like I enjoyed being scared and I wasn't crying. <laughs> like when I went on the alien encounter ride for the first time at Disney World. <laughs> But I was like seven when I did that. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> All right. Uh, you? Um, I enjoyed it thoroughly. Um, there weren't a whole lot of things I would change about it. Uh, I mean, obviously, I'm no haunt expert. 
but uh, it seemed like everything was very well done, very well planned out. I mean, this was like the perfect example of a very polished and streamlined house and run by people that know what they're doing. And love what they're doing. Yeah. I mean, he Scott told us on several occasions that this is a year-round job. I mean, like, he doesn't really take a break. Um, I mean, this is obviously their busy season, but they're constantly working on it, whether it be... Like he said, he travels around the country to other haunts to visit them and see what they got going um, and, you know, see what works for them and see if there's anything that he could kind of uh, tweak and apply to his own house and, you know, things like that. Um, so you really feel and see that kind of, especially when you get to look at it kind of from behind the scenes, which I know a lot of you won't get that opportunity, but... Um, when you can sense that kind of uh, passion for, for the house itself, you really um, almost feel it yourself. And, and uh, yeah, it's just a very, very well conceived and well planned out haunt. And um, I think I'll actually give this one a nine. Okay. Um, yeah. It's, at one point Scott had told us that on a scale of one to 10 of how, like extreme they are compared to other haunts that they're about a six. Mm-hmm. And I just found that surprising Yeah, because for me personally, this was the best haunted house I've ever been to. Yeah. I, I can, I can agree with that. And I mean, you know, we heard Lynn talk about the, the one in Pennsylvania and like you were saying, there's ones on the East coast. There's a lot more of them at least. Yeah. And it's, you know, Halloween's a little more, I guess a little more celebrated out there. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's something I mentioned driving through because it was Massachusetts, uh, you know, through the smaller neighborhoods. I mentioned to my wife um, that here, I said, you know, here, you know, almost everybody's got just at least a pumpkin on their porch. And at home, it's rare when you see any kind of decoration for Halloween. Uh, so, I mean, Seattle just doesn't really have that same kind of attachment to Halloween that places on the e- in the East do. Um, I'm not sure what that is, why why that is. But I think it's just because people out here are a lot more pretentious. Uh, well, I mean, and the East Coast is so much older. Yeah, and uh, there's a lot more old-fashioned people right. on the East Coast. I mean, it's something that when we went over there, we noticed right away. How many suits there were? Yeah, so East Coast people still wear suits to work. Yeah, um, and that's just not like that out here. So I mean, that's just you know one example of many different change, or differences. But um, anyway, but yeah, like a lot, almost drove through like six or seven states, and like every single one of them had many billboards for different haunts uh, in in the you know general vicinity. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, you know, I lived out there for three years or so, and I, I never had a chance to go to any, and I wish I had now. But like I said, for me personally, this was the best one I've been to. So it was surprising to hear that he thinks they're only at about a six on the intensity scale. Yeah. Because I, I can't even imagine what a 10 would be then. Um, You know, it's funny that you mentioned that. This is kind of sort of off topic, but when we, when my wife and I were actually in Salem, Massachusetts, um, just forewarning, uh, unless you like 
big crowds and an entire town that's a carnival, <laughs> don't go to Salem, Massachusetts in October. Yeah, I can imagine. What, I went there once, but it was not October. So yeah, uh, don't do it. <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, we were sitting at lunch in this. I guess it was actually qualified as a gastropub. But anyway, um, these people next to us were talking about a haunt. And it, from the way they were describing it, it actually sounded like blackout. Um, just with, with the fucked up things that they were describing. Um, but I think it was actually something else like called like Haunted Woods or, or something like that. Hmm. I could be wrong. Or... See, when you take something like Blackout, though, like, that's not really scary. I mean, and I obviously can't speak from experience, but just from what I've read about it, it just sounds like it's just a gross out and just, you know, try to make these extreme visuals that, you know, like, just, it's more disgusting than scary. Sure, but, you know, that's scary for a lot of people. I suppose. I mean, fear doesn't necessarily just go immediately to terror. That's true. I mean, fear can be interpreted in a lot of ways. Anyway, um, so, anyway, back on topic. Um, yeah, so, I mean, knowing that, like, if, if he hadn't said that line, I think I would be really tempted to give this a 10. Mm-hmm. But knowing that he, he still feels that he has that much farther to go, I'm going to give myself some wiggle room and I'm going to say 9. All right. So... That's it for Georgetown Morgue. Um, I, I think I can speak for both Tony and my girlfriend Lynn when I say that we highly recommend that you go if you're in the Seattle area. Yeah. Um, do you have the address handy? Um, SeattleHaunts.com is the site, and I'm sure there there are links to both Georgetown Morgue and their other haunted attraction, uh, Nightmare on Nine. Right. Uh, I, I know that it's located on East Marginal in, in the Georgetown area. Of, of Seattle so I don't know the specific street address but um, actually I guess it might be technically on Hudson Street but it's right off of East Marginal the address is East Marginal Way is it okay. I I want to say 582 that's okay. sticking out in my memory but okay but yeah I mean you have the internet otherwise you wouldn't be listening to us so truth yeah. uh, that's going to do it for this review haunted house party. Interesting. Indeed. Um, yeah, those, those were a lot of fun. Um, the, uh, the, the one, the Georgetown morgue, is actually rated as the scariest haunted house in Washington. Really? Yeah, there's a movie called The Houses That October Built, which is a fictional movie, but it's based on real-life haunted houses. Mm. And it released a map of the scariest haunted houses in the United States, and Georgetown Morgue was the only one in Washington. Whoa. Yeah. That's the one I'm going to go to next week, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, then you'll have to have to let us know how, how you I like will. it. I next time I'm on the podcast. Cool. All right, well, that's going to wrap up the 2014 Halloween special of thegraveplotpodcast.com. 
Make sure to check us out. I just said it at graveplotpodcast.com. You did. Yeah. All right. Well, make sure you well, check us out at graveplotpodcast.com. <laughs> you can go right to it. Uh, there you'll find links to subscribe to the show, follow us on all the various social networks. You can follow Carlos at... Uh, on Twitter, I'm O-N-A-W-A, and also videogamebreak.net, which is where we have a lot of video game stuff, and a podcast, which is on there, and also the Video Game Break podcast is on the iTunes. As are we. Yeah. We're iTunes buddies. Yay. Are we? Is that a thing? That's not a thing. I don't think it's a thing. <laughs> so subscribe to both shows, and uh, enjoy all those. And until next time, uh, I am Taylor of Terror. And I am Carlos Muertes. Thank you for listening to the Grave Plot Podcast, where we're all just a little dead inside. Anything goes, but our bodies ain't.